0: All right, guys, this week we're talking about rogues, right? And one of the big things about rogues is their expertise and how they're just proficient at absolutely every freaking skill that exists. And by the time that you get the subclasses and the backgrounds and some of the the races from Volos, there's so many skills you have access to. What in real life is the skill that you are the most proficient in? You want to roll initiative? We rolling? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, let's do it. Six.
1: Thirteen. (laughs) I botched. Okay. So, sleight
0: of so, hand is, uh, I'll, is, is I'll, not mine.
1: So, the most proficient with? Yeah. Um. Oh man, I'm. i kind of put me <laughs> on the spot. I honestly, I, I, I would say it's probably uh, either religion, um, faith, and religion have always fascinated me, and not just the Judeo-Christian, like all religion. Um, the idea of faith, the idea of worship, that's always interested me. Um, and I, I literally went to post-secondary education in, um, church ministry and with church planning as a minor. So like, that's what I was going for, uh, for my degree. So I would say that, but, uh, no, no, no I, I'd say my insight, no,
0: it's, you get one, you get one. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you say? Your insight.
1: I would say my insights up there too. Mostly mm. just because I'm a very—I I like to think—and I've been told I'm a fairly empathetic person, mm. and I pick up on people's emotions fairly well, almost too well. So, but do you pick up on people's take
0: uh, like intentions?
1: Yes. The long silence leads me to believe that you guys don't believe me. So I'll say religion. Oh, sometimes <laughs> sometimes I think the long silence
2: is because my Discord cuts out sometimes. And so I usually just stop touching stuff for a couple of seconds and let it kick back in. So if there's a long silence, I usually think it's just that. So don't be offended.
0: <laughs> no, uh, no, Terry, uh, no, you're my, next, man. My long silence was legit. You should be offended, yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think my best skill, I think for me is persuasion but I don't mean in the sense of like I will stand here and persuade you to do something I mean more I mean like empathy as well I think um and I can turn it off and and turn it on depending on how much I want to but I mean I work I work in the fitness industry and I work in kind of like back-end sales and teaching people how to how to present the product not because you want them to buy it but whatever whatever will legitimately fit for them and helping them solve a problem um and so when I think persuasion I think because I can I can read people's intentions, read people's emotions very well. Um, I, I find that as a skill for me, I can change an atmosphere in a room if I want to. Sometimes I'm just like, fuck it, do what you want. Throw a social hand grenade in there. Uh, but I can I can aggravate people quickly, but I can calm people down quickly. Sometimes I can aggravate people and then calm them down again. Like I find that I can adjust an atmosphere and an environment and a conversation usually to where I want it to go. And it's almost like I can visualize it. I can see this is what I want to achieve and I can usually get it there just through being able to read people and be able to act on things. So, it's like, in, what I mean is what I usually say to people is, like, I usually say about caring about people. I say, like, stop trying to look like you're caring about them and actually care about them. But it can apply to anything. Like, stop trying to look like you you think this thing and actually do it. Uh, and I find I can adjust most people. So, I would say persuasion. Oh. Persuasion for me. <laughs>
0: See, there's that long silence now that makes it awkward terry is that,
2: that i was drinking my beer so, <laughs> <I'm
0: not, laughs> so the an part of
2: persuasion is not being influenced by other people so i'm not influenced by your long silence
0: <laughs> well i would say that the skill that i am uh, most proficient with uh, would have to be performance ladies
1: Welcome to It's a
0: Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Adam, and with me are Dan and Terry, and today we're talking about rogues. And guys, guys, guys. Hello. This is episode 69. Nice, nice, (laughs) nice. Okay,
2: I didn't want to point it out, but I did notice that. I did notice that, but I didn't want to be the one to bring it up.
1: Of course. You I, I was actively looking for space to bring it up because
0: yes. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we're all really mature about this shit. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let us talk about rogues for a moment. Well, well, well actually one sec. Sh- should we? Cause we're done now, right? Like we hit episode 69. We don't have to go any further. That's typical for you, Dan, you 69 and then you're done. You just, <laughs> yeah. or you just walk away. No, man, That that's the beginning That's, that's act one, right? We've got more to go from here. We're just building to the good stuff. (laughs) Okay, fine. Let's talk about rogues then. All right. So God, fuck. What is this podcast? Jesus. I don't fucking know. It's been a while since I've asked myself that question. We were, we were on a really good track and I'm sorry. I dragged us down into the gutter. So rogues, we're going, we're we're going into rogues now. Uh, Specifically Xanathar's Guide to Everything. There are a number of subclasses that are uh, listed here for the Rogue. We're going to cover three of them today. But before we do that, I wanted to go into some of the uh, new um, mentalities about uh, character building when it comes to Rogue Uh, the Rogue archetype and the Rogue class. One of the things that they've done in Xanathars, which we've been talking about for a few of the class episodes now, is they've given us this really cool breakdown at the beginning of each of the class sections with usually three although i think one of them or two of them have four um little ideas where you can they've got random tables but little little ways that you can flesh out your character it's not necessarily a background but it's something that you can definitely bring to the table beyond what is just on your character sheet and filling out the boxes and and choosing which skills you're proficient in and picking gear right like there's just more to it and this is Great for role playing opportunity. Some of these things are really, really solid. Um, some of these options we really like the stuff for the barbarians. We really freaking hated on the stuff for uh for the rangers, right? So uh, yeah, the ranger gonna, was hot shit. Yeah, yeah, we're going to and the and the barbarians like hot shit. So um Yep. But the Rogue has three they've got guilty pleasures, adversaries, and benefactors. Now, to go into these a little bit, I'm going to give a breakdown of each one and then I want to roll and see what you guys uh, what you guys have to say about them as we go. But remember, the Rogue is built to be, while a criminal is definitely a part of the archetype, it's not necessarily the be-all and end-all of who the Rogue is. As much as it is about thieves and assassins, uh, a lot of it can also just be about um, people that are... They what's the word i'm looking for um they are sneaky they're stealthy they're they're into trickery and subterfuge um they're also consistently getting in and out of trouble uh, but not not necessarily with the law maybe not with the as a criminal they could get in and out of trouble with the people around them right everyone has that friend that's like yeah man i've known him for years but he's a dick Like that could just be the rogue right um and not, not to encourage people to be a dick at a table, but um, but there's more to it than just I I break the laws. However, they kind of still pay homage to that in a lot of ways. So let's talk for a moment about guilty pleasures first. Guilty pleasures for me, when I when I read that, I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about this? Like, okay, we're just going to let Terry off his leash here and you he can talk about sex stuff for the next 25 minutes. <laughs> I but, don't.
2: I find often it's Dan that brings it up. I think it's something to do with repression. Excuse me. Though.
0: Well, <laughs> I will be innocently talking about something, and you guys will be like, eh, "Name of my sex tape."
1: Be like, "That was what?"
0: <laughs> you you declared nice repeatedly when I said a number earlier, Dan. <laughs> That's because the number sixty nine, and it's nice. <laughs> so
2: it's guilty not, pleasure, it's slippery, and it's awkward, and I can't hold a push up position for that long. <laughs>
1: Am I the wrong? Digit? Uh that's why you got to be a power bottom,
0: Terry. It's got to be a power bottom. Dan's talking from experience. See, Dan is Dan is the problem here. We've got totally <laughs> off topic already. This isolation is not treating us well. We've all no, slowly really started not. losing our minds. So the guilty pleasure is more about the idea of what tempts you as a character when you are playing. What is the what is the thing that has your character go kind of off script? What is going to be the thing that distracts them? And, uh, and they talk about how rogues are really treasure hunters, and more so than anything else, they're treasure hunters that don't want to deal with violence. They can be bounty hunters, they can be, um, they can be pirates, they can be all sorts of things, but they're going to try to avoid violence, and they tend not to, not to, uh, cast spells as a general rule either, I mean, arcane trickster aside, but... That means that they've got to get in and out, they've got to be sneaky, they've got to use their wits, they use their skills to get in and out of, of problems, and yet there's a driving, motivating factor beyond honor and glory and alignment and doing the right thing, because they're a little bit self-serving. Not necessarily all of them, but that tends to be one of the staples of the of the class. So for guilty pleasures, they give you things that are um, Temptations that you may not be able to resist or you'll have trouble resisting if it's waved in front of you. The list that they give us is is pretty short, so I'm going to go through the whole thing. It's a D6 table, right? And it's large gems, a smile from a pretty face, a new ring for your finger, the chance to deflate someone's ego. I think that one's my favorite so far. The finest food and drink and adding to your collection of exotic coins. Guys, how do we feel about about guilty pleasure so far? I want to roll initiative. I want to get your your opinion on this as an inspirational uh little paragraph to work through. And also, can you give me one unique one that you're thinking of as well that might be might be something that that your rogue would would want sure. during gameplay. Sure. So, let's let's roll for it. Got a 14. Fuck me. I got a 17. Two. All right, Terry, you're up first.
2: Um, so how do I feel about them before? giving an idea. I yeah, think, um,
0: the, do you like the guilty pleasures for for the rogue? Like, does that does I that? I like
2: the idea of guilty pleasures, and I like the guidelines that Xanathar gives us because rogue, we 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 uh, we make fun of the fact that often you just end up becoming like the edge lord type character, and I think because it's it's very difficult to be so unique with it. I think it's much easier to be unique and have these fantastic ideas about all different kinds of fighters even wizards but rogue you feel like you get funneled into something so having a guilty pleasure gives you something to it gives you something to channel and it gives you something to stay true to i played a rogue and with adam as the dm asking me questions about why i am the way that i am and at first i was like i don't know man because that's just what rogues are like i don't know but this gives you something to work with so i I, I don't see any negatives with this. as An, an idea for me, going to kind of off what the table has done here, I like the idea of being being fascinated with outdoing yourself. Because they're very skilled at what they do, with, you know, whether it be lockpicking or, or art thieves or whatever they do. So this fascination of, of outdoing yourself and, and creating your own masterpiece, whether it be like the perfect kill, a thousand cuts before they die, or breaking this lock that they all said couldn't be broken. So I like the idea of finding the masterpiece within your work.
0: Cool, yeah, I really I, like that. Yeah, I like that too. A lot of the stuff on that list was it large gems, a new ring for your finger, and uh, the exotic the exotic coins. Sorry, um, where all of those are the same thing. It's just greed, right? This one is more about pride. Yeah, and Absolutely. I like that as a as a different motivation because it also gives you a reason to be with the party. You know, mm-hmm. to no. I mean, as much as you do work alone and whatnot, you can see them as your henchmen. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, if not.
2: even if you have something pride driven like that that's an excuse to be around people because you want to demonstrate your ability
0: yeah i absolutely love that i think that's fantastic terry dan what how do you feel about it um i also like it and i was i was going to kind
1: of echo what terry said with the whole uh this really helps the rogue get away from being the edgelord because it's hard to be the edgelord when you're playing a character that is you know ooh, a piece of candy and then they chase over whatever their guilty pleasure is. Um it I like that kind of breaks the Edgelord mold, and I like that because that is a mold that needs to be broken. Um That being said, um there is there is something about a character who like you look at rogues and they're the ones who get the most skill proficiencies in the game. They're the ones who uh in previous editions do, got do the they most, get more than unquote, skill points. Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I I really like. I mean, let's be completely honest. Bards with their uh, jack of all trades kind of win out with total like mechanical number in your skills, but rogues have access to more. Um, that being said, with previous editions, a lot of rogues. Uh, There was a massive disagreement about int stats and whether or not you needed a good int or or a bat or you could just dump int to play a rogue. And I've always I was always the opinion where you didn't need to uh, put any stats in int because their mechanics you know made up for having a low int. But in fifth edition, this is far less. And uh, the guilty pleasure I would choose then is books. A rogue. Who has a fascination with um, old books? Or um, the way I would do it is, uh, they might not even be books that have a, you know, they're not books that he's expecting to learn from. They're just interesting editions of popular f- uh, fiction, like interesting uh, editions of like even steamy romance novels, and have your guy love romance novels, like th- like there's so. There's such a wealth here, and because 5th edition has kind of broke the mold that your ints have to be, or your rogues have to be that super smart character,
0: it fits. Yeah, I like that. As someone who hoards books and, and loves reading and is crazy for stories, I identify with that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I like it as well because it's moving away from, the it's moving away from the typical type of treasure, the expensive treasure like coins and gems, and it's something that's that's a treasure for them, and I love it because it's it's likely that other people are just not going to get it, but for them it's yep. everything.
1: Yeah. Well, I've I've hung around with comic book nerds my entire life, and I've also hung around with people who have no idea why comic book nerds do what they do, and I just see like the comic book nerds as this rogue, and. These other people like the paladin going, why did you have to stop, you know, our, our break into this whatever place to solve this great injustice to pick up that ratty old book with like crinkled edges? And the rogues just like, it's a first edition, man. <laughs> like, I love it.
0: <laughs> um, God damn I know so many of those people. God damn it. You are one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that um, I was looking at with this is because I was thinking really about the idea of it being vices, the guilty pleasures, not just pleasure, the guilty pleasure, right? Um, and I was looking at it because the smile from a pretty face, wizard is not going to come out and say sex, but that's what that is, right? Like, c- come on, we know that. The finest food and drink. They're not going to say alcohol and drugs, but it's the same thing. It's, it's substances, Right. And so one of the things that I was thinking of as far as a guilty pleasure goes, and this one's kind of obvious. I've seen this for a few rogues, um, is gambling, the inability to turn down a game, right? To be the best to, and I mean, you can just use straight up freaking poker from real life. You can make up your own game like Terry and I were working on. Or they've got a bunch of actual d d games that, um, you know, you're just proficient with a dice set. Or you're good with cards. And then, you know, they'll, you can find some obscure reference to a game that exists on the internet. You know, you, you can go back to previous editions where they'll maybe outline a couple of rules. Um, and there's a mini game involving, you know, dice rolls to see how good you are at it and whatnot. You can get kind of in-depth in this. Um, and also, everyone around the table is gambling whenever they roll a die. So I like the idea of adding just a little bit of gambling um, and having it maybe a guilty pleasure is not just something that you can't turn down, but it's a straight, full-blown addiction. And this yeah. is a bit of a shout-out to Dan's previous character who was addicted to yeah. um, everything. Was it everything he was addicted to? I think it was everything. At least... I mean, he, he wasn't least, much of a gambler. Uh, Well, I mean, he gambled with
1: with his own He health. could. It, it was... It, he was addicted to so many things that, like, the gambling was not something I had a lot of time for on the plate. He
0: was addicted to dwarven women for a while there.
1: Yes, he was.
0: Very much so. And, I, and that's one of my favorite aspects of him. To Tortellini? But, <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say to Tortellini? I'm not I'm not sure if that was her name, but it. Uh, it, it maybe that was her middle name or family name. Maybe maybe is just a lithe uh, tortle uh, prostitute that... You know, works the streets in Waterdeep. Yikes. Can you not
1: talk
2: about prostitutes, Dan, please?
0: And, and it, uh, she's, she's got a, a twin sister named Shelly.
2: <laughs> Kate, I'm going to tell you a secret right now. <laughs> oh,
0: God. No, no. All right. Oh, no. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> Episode 69, Uncle Terry comes back. Only
2: because you said that name. And we're talking about turtles. There's a woman in my life who has a stuffed turtle called Shelly that apparently is not short for Michelle. So I live with that.
0: <laughs> Are you okay, Terry? Sounds like it bothers you. It's
2: fine. It just was funny that you brought it up, and uh, you know, it's it's often a thing that bothers me. But sure,
1: um,
0: my my counter
1: to that, Terry, just real quick is my wife has a, a stuffed animal called Betsy, who she's had since she was two years old. <laughs> Means the world to her. Um, to the point where uh, we were dating, and her mom managed to find an inbox. Uh, version of the same like little stuffed bear that betsy was really (laughs) and pick that up so i have in my house like the betsy that went through all of the um breakups and when we were doing a lot of long distance uh dating because she was from ohio uh, we did long distance for two years yeah it's it's faded it it has been well loved um we also have a very pristine like uh still like has the starched little dress thing Betsy in the closet that um you know it I, I I don't think we'll ever see the light of day,
0: but it's in there.
2: It's pretty common. I have a doll in a dress in my house that's also been well loved. Adam
0: I'm going to segue into the next Fuck. one considering we are we are talking about marriage anyway. So let's talk about adversaries. So normally when No, nothing hard. I'm just going to keep moving along then. All right, so adversaries. Speaking of horrible, horrible shit. um, Your adversaries are normally... It says here, it starts by talking about the people that enforce the laws that your rogue is likely to actually break. But it doesn't necessarily need to be law enforcement. A lot of the times where they're heading with, with this list... These are going to be people in an organization where you broke the rules. So maybe don't think about law as in legality, but think about law as in rules or a code or something that you've agreed to and you've you've um, you've broken the the custom or the uh, the small agreement, whatever it is. A couple of the the options that they give you are uh, a master spy to whom you unwittingly fed bad information. Which led to the assassination of the wrong target. Uh, Or you have an adversary that's an art collector who uses illegal means to acquire masterpieces. Or um, the the master of the local thieves guild who wants you to join the organization or leave town. These are people that are direct, um, not necessarily villains, but they are directly opposed to you and what you want. And your goals and your status quo, right? You can't just go living your life. These guys are going to hunt you down. How do you guys feel about including adversaries for a rogue? And do you guys have unique ones as well? Let's go in the same order. Sure. Same order?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, that it. means I go for it. Oh, Dan? Yeah.
0: Who was first, me or Terry? That was Terry. Um,
2: yeah, it was me. Um, I, I had this idea of an adversary that wasn't wasn't necessarily out to... To get you, but kind of in a way, more like a competitor, more like the person that always just gets there first. I just imagine this rogue just has this beef with somebody out there and then finally breaks into the vault, and there it is. There's the tag of the purple fox or something like on the back of the bank vault. So the MacGuffin is not there. Everybody's like, what? And he's like, ah, fucking hell, this guy again. Like, just constantly plagues you, seems to be one step ahead of you, and is just hell bent on just sweeping the rug from under your feet and, and taking what you want, but is more than happy to keep you alive. So if we stick with the archetype, with the stereotype rather, of a thief, that, that competitor thief that always seems to be just there right before
0: you. I like that. And I mean, I'm trying to remember which one of the Despicable Me, uh, Despicable Me movies that it was. There was one that was just straight up, these are villains that are trying to one-up each other and outdo each other. They're not going oh. to kill each other but Two. they're just like consistently pissing off the other one and and this this one-upmanship all the way so i, I like it's that it's the second one is it the second one you would know you have kids so
2: yeah i love it especially because that's that's I I well I don't like in real life when somebody else's bullshit becomes your bullshit. But if you're in a party of people, that's the situation where somebody else's bullshit now becomes your bullshit. Because as the paladin, you're constantly breaking in the vaults for whatever reason. And the other the other guy's adversary has got there. and You're like this guy again. Why are we even hanging out with you anymore?
0: <laughs> yeah, I like this. There's a there's a well. I'll I'll let Dan talk next. Uh, I've got mine.
1: Um, as you guys know, uh. An adversary or a nemesis is something I demand of all my players when they're giving me backstories for a new character, regardless of their class. Um, I think an adversary breeds so much story, gives me ammunition as a dungeon master to use against my players um, in the future to draw them into the game and and make it matter more to them. Um, And whenever I'm a player, I like handing nemesis's nemesi, and adversaries to my nemeses. And, and uh, handing them to my dungeon master to do with as he wants. And, like, I've given two massive criminals in our campaigns to Adam um, because of, you know, nemesis in my backstory. So um, I, I, I love the idea, um, especially for a rogue. But I would flip the thing on the head and... Um, I kind of did this for my, my uh, inquisitive rogue that we've talked about a bunch of times, Lockie. Um, he was actually more a detective than a thief um, who used his uh, uh, rogue abilities to kind of be able to think about, like, put himself in the frame of mind of uh, whatever the adversary he was trying to catch. Um, and he was kind of willing to do whatever he needed to do to catch this adversary, Um, so his adversary that I gave him was a master criminal. Um, in, in Lockie's case, it was a murderer, but I'd be really intrigued to like, um, you know, I want to play the character that's chasing after Thomas crown, or I want to play the character who's chasing after, you know, one of these top end criminals. And, uh, it's like, there's not murder. It's, it's, it's thievery. It's cat robbery. It's, I want to play... The rogue that is chasing the better rogue. Kind of like what you said, uh, Terry, but not in a one-upmanship, but
0: in a to bring them to justice kind of way.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Love it. Okay, well, um, I absolutely love the idea of an adversary. I mean, you know, Dan, that I'm totally willing to wait as a dungeon master to wait until very, very end of a campaign before I even drop the adversary in. As, hey, remember this guy from your past? Right? Right. Um, One of the things that I would absolutely love to do, and I've been kind of waiting to do this, is have a magical item, and nobody knows what it is, but somebody needs to go get it, right? There's There's a mission, there's a quest, early level to break in. The rogue, the criminal, whoever it is, is super excited about doing this. The players are like, yes, this is what I built a character for. We're talking level one or two or three, right? Like there's this little vault, you go in, and there's just a pedestal in the middle of it. And on the pedestal is a single card. And the rogue goes, this must be it. This is fantastic. And they flip it to see what it is. And of course, of course, this is one of the cards from the deck of many things. And you flip the card called Rogue. And what that does is it uh, a non-player character of the DM's choice becomes hostile toward you. The identity of your new enemy isn't known until the NPC or someone else reveals it. Nothing less than a wish spell or divine intervention can end the NPC's hostility towards you.
2: Is that the I, same card that I fell victim to?
0: Uh yes, yes, it was. I have I've used this card a few times in in different campaigns. Um, uh, Terry's talking about the uh, the Tuesday campaign where there was an imp that was hanging out with them um, and who was a decent NPC in an evil campaign. That's great. And then all of a sudden, Terry flipped the rogue card and this guy was just suddenly incredibly hostile and a dick and sent them all to hell. Yeah, he was um, a dick
2: to me. He was cool with everybody else mostly it seemed like. To the
0: point where I put to the point where I put him in my campaign
1: as well and the <laughs> three character. people who play your Tuesday game were all like if this is Camion I swear to god Dan, I will fucking rage. He was good at and enemies. at the very yeah, like end of the it. session I was like, "Oh yeah, no, um he he's straight up broke into one of their uh, uh, like uh, rooms at the tavern, and stole their shit and ran away. He's the, t-
2: he's the type of NPC that when he shows up, you're like, it's it's so fun, but that NPC shows, shows up and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, what, what, what do you want now? What's the trick? Like, you just, you're not getting out unscathed.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's not there to kill you, he just wants to really, really, really inconvenience you. He and he's gonna yeah. be funny while he does it and he's one of my favorite he's he's been in every campaign i've run uh in the last couple of years and he's uh he's actually uh mieka's creation um from uh deep dark of radiance so you guys can thank her for that
2: Hats off uh, to Mieka, wait wait
0: she she created camion in deep dark she no she created camion while we were playing deep dark i was trying to teach her D and and she wanted to play a princess, obviously. And I'm like, fine, but we're gonna make it dark. Your princess of hell. And she said, cool. Can I have a little imp that follows me around? I went, sure. And she created Camion, including his personality. And you have all been regretting it since. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, Fuck that's people. my that's, thanks, me. That's my adversary. I love the idea of there being a mechanical reason. And you don't start off with an adversary; you just get it. And what is the paranoia like when they flip that card? Know what it does. And yet an NPC does not reveal themselves for like 10 freaking levels. All right. Which brings us, I guess, to the last one, which is, uh, the benefactor and benefactor. When I first heard this, I was thinking almost like a patron, not, not like a, like a warlock patron, but like the group, the group patron from, uh, from Eberron, where it's just someone who gives you things, your quest giver essentially, but it isn't the benefactor here are people that you owe some sort of debt to. For example, uh, a beggar king has hidden you from your pursuers many times in return for future considerations. Or your parents used their savings to bail you out of trouble in your younger days and they're now destitute. Or a druid once helped you out of a tight spot. Now any random animal you see could be that benefactor, perhaps come to claim a return favor. I really, really, really think that this, by adding the idea of of owing someone something, this adds a depth to your rogue. So I, I'm curious what you guys have to say, but let's go in the same order again. Terry, how do you sure. feel about the, the benefactor?
2: I love the idea of a benefactor. It's funny that you said patron there, because I was thinking along the same lines as a warlock, because we get these classes that seem to have this interaction with people, right? That come in, NPCs that come in every now and again. Warlock's a big one with patrons, even though we've argued that the patrons are not used often enough. Clerics will get it with their god. I, I mean... It, you can touch on it with other classes as well more easily i think than rogues that are typically viewed as lone wolves but i like the idea of a benefactor being uh, it's almost like the person that kind of maybe gave you, you your abilities i'm thinking like raz al Ghul type thing league of shadows that will pop up every now and again to to guide you or, or say i need you to do this but it's not warlock based it's it's um it's it's a mundane based npc um that will come in and kind of act like a patron so i was kind of thinking a raz Ghoul type npc um which gives you your rogue uh, an excuse to not always be such a lone wolf but to actually have a history that involves people that revisit their life
0: i like it do you you have one particularly in mind like uh, a patron uh
2: like a like a, a person like in particular, I was just channeling Razal Gul as the type of thing that I was thinking. Like someone highly skilled to kind of pass their abilities on to you. Because that's also a question we never ask is where the hell do rogues learn this stuff? Like, <laughs> we know where warlocks get it from, we know where clerics get it from, we know where druids get it from.
0: Who's teaching these rogues how to do this stuff? And so, Oh, you, yeah, the answer is nine times out of ten the urchin background. Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly but i mean you still have to learn it somewhere i mean you can be the we but we live in vancouver there's plenty of homeless people out there that we know of they're not all picking locks like you know somebody has to teach you these (laughs) special skills
0: dan how do you feel about it um honestly
1: like with this i mean my most recent character i played was a rogue um and uh reading through the guilty pleasures the adversaries the benefactors there are things I want in every single character, not just rogues. So I'm really glad that they're kind of codified here. Um, for for Locky, uh, his benefactor was a um, former, well, not not even former, just like a, a guard captain who uh, took a shining on him, saw something in him that uh, um, he, um, you know that marked Lockie is different. And he brought Lockie into the guard force and just kind of helped raise Lockie who was, you know, had no father figure, uh, growing up because his parents left him on a stoop. Cause you know, I played a bit of an edgelord when I was creating the guy. Um, but he, so this character played the father figure for, uh, Lockie. And, um, as far as I'm aware, based on my backstory is probably still alive. In in some respect. Uh, but like Lockie named his daughter after uh, uh Marcius. So um so that that's that's like I, I love it. And and like having this guy be this um additional source of uh um perspective for Lockie, and I think that's something you could really do with your benefactors is have these guys um inform your personality of your character in some way, shape, or form. Because Locky had no real moral compass and uh, was incredibly chaotic as a person um, until he was kind of forced to be part of the town's guard and had a really authentically, like, pure soul relationship with his wife and his daughter um, that made him a good person. So... Um, we know that that story went off rails and he is now a vampire Lord, but, uh, Sorry, he, what? he, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, we, you and I have to catch up, Terry, <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he knew from Marcius and from his wife and daughter that there was a better way to live. And although it wasn't natural to him, those examples were things he strove toward and and that um, it's something a benefactor could give your characters too, like something to strive toward. It doesn't have to just be a guy who's saved you or someone you owe.
0: It could be someone you idolize as well.
2: I like that, Dan. You're flipping it there. You're looking at it from a different angle, and I like it.
0: Yeah, I like it too. There's a real negative connotation with the idea of the benefactor, like you owe valuable favors, or you know they did you a solid, but you know you're you're gonna have to return it um and there's a lot of that in the wording for the six different uh, options that they give you in xanathars but um but i like the idea of kind of thinking outside the box and having i mean a mentor or a an idol one of the things you said dan was that you like these for every character and that's something i wanted to bring up i am a big 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 fan of these And I think that pretty much everything we've run into so far, whether it was the Barbarians, even the Ranger stuff, if they had said, you can apply this to any character, it doesn't have to be tied to a class, then it would open up so many things. Why do rogues not have the tattoos? We have swashbucklers and scouts, right? Wouldn't they have tattoos? Arcane tricksters? like I could totally see them with a full sleeve, right? And yet that's under barbarians but then again i also think that there are what oh at least 36 of these new things to think about and if they just given you a big ass list at the front of the book everyone would have skimmed over it like they do with backgrounds and never would have looked at it again i just got a really cool idea for a character
1: uh for an evil campaign as a swashbuckler who anyone he duels he makes it very clear that if i win i take your pinky finger and he just has this necklace
0: of pinky fingers
1: well, Dan, that is or this, ridiculous.
0: Or this collection of pinky fingers. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for you to grab from other, um, other one of the the classes. These inspirational pieces at the beginning of each section in Xanathar's. There's no reason why a warlock can't be uh, can't be inspired by something out of the bard. Bards go to colleges. Do they get the same stuff that wizards are studying about? And like, mm-hmm. there can be a lot of crossing over. Especially yeah. Dan, you're talking about mentors and stuff, and just give me half a second here, because I'm pretty sure that is it monks. Monks have but masters. It, yeah, monk has a master, you know, uh, and as uh, as a part of their um, their their three right, and so it like it runs, it all bleeds together well, so nicely, and I like it.
1: Yeah, and like paladins have a literal nemesis is in their list for paladins, right? Like, yeah,
0: and so. The, the thing for, for me, the one that I would make, um, is I went back of course to Camion because I love him. He's my spirit animal, but, um, he is, uh, he is a devil. He's an imp. And I love the idea of a low level imp that is, or a low level devil that is not powerful enough to become a warlock patron running around and gathering favors and trying to power up. And this guy freed you from prison. You're a rogue. Chances are good you've been, you've had a brush with the law at this point. I'm going to lean into the stereotypes here. And a devil popped up and said, Yeah, yeah, I'll free you, but you owe me 10 noble souls. And over the course of the campaign, every time you kill a noble, the devil will pop up again. The imp will show up and be like, Okay, thank you. That's one more. And then at the end, He will have all 10 and then, I don't know, turn into a spined devil. That's enough to power up, right? Like whatever it is, he gets a promotion. Or maybe he is, he turns out to be the big villain in the end, whatever it is. This, this benefactor is far more insidious than you realize at the beginning. So I kind of went the opposite way that you went, Dan, with the, uh, instead of it being good. I want pure evil with it.
2: <laughs> well, Dan, you got me thinking there as well. I, I, I like the idea of we we talk about paladins and their and their oaths, but instead of a rogue going to debt, a, a rogue that that's sworn oath. I like that. I mean, it gets me thinking of like, you know, resistance fighters and stuff. You know, when countries get occupied and things, those those resistance fighters are very roguish in their nature, but they have their oath to their people or their country or whatever, and so. It starts to bring rogues back into the light a little bit they have their methods and their ways they go about things but they may not be doing something because of a debt they may be doing it because of an oath
0: yeah that that's a great point I mean there are so many why like look if you're dealing with thieves guilds and assassins guilds they have codes they have rules there's an order to it and that could be them following their their code or whatever their their oath is I would phrase it differently because paladins kind of have oath cornered but absolutely there's got to be honor among thieves right i think that makes yeah. perfect sense all right guys so that pretty much uh covers the beginning of xanathar's overall we like these ones right these, this is this is oh, pretty yeah. solid for character creation yeah. and i would say that we should be thinking about that even your bard should have an adversary uh, you know you have um the dueling banjos right <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever it is it's battle of the bands right in D, you should have um your the the people that you have a more in-depth relationship with than just saying oh i have a long lost twin sister which a lot of people do her name is shelly she's also a hooker but um <laughs> but um a lot of people just kind of just kind of gloss over the background and by having the adversary or the benefactor that gives you a little bit more of your previous relationships that you're coming to the table with. Um, and of course, having a guilty pleasure is just a certain amount of fun that not every character needs, but I would say really fleshes out the idea for most characters. Also, you know, how badly do you need that guilty pleasure? Do you guys have any final thoughts on these before we hit a commercial? No,
1: man, I, 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 have already said what my piece, like I, I really, really like these things. I, 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 it you put the Rangers next to these, and you just go, what dummy wrote the Rangers?
0: It's not even what dummy. The Ranger stuff is fine. It's just not enough, right? I would I would include these ones and the Ranger ones for the Ranger, and then it's fine. It's just the three for the Ranger were all thirty percent of what I needed them to be, right? Or they were so yeah. obviously on the nose, anyone could have this, that. Uh, that I think that it makes a lot of sense to start looking around in Xanathars. If your character doesn't feel fleshed out enough, open it up and don't necessarily go to your own class. Go to the other classes, see what they have to offer for role-playing opportunities. Hello,
1: everyone. Megan here. If you or a loved one are looking to jazz up your in-game experience with specific 3D-printed mini pieces for tabletop furniture, castle walls, trap doors, or other useful items to add to your maps and worlds... Well, it's kind of your lucky day. We've actually paired with a local Vancouver business called Diabolical Dungeoneers who are dedicated to adding that other dimension to your game. You can find custom 3D printable items through their Facebook and Instagram at Diabolical Dungeoneer or at their website at www.diabolicaldungeoneer.com. And for a limited time, if you use promo code MIMIC2020, you get 10% off your first order. Uh, shipping is only available here in the lower mainland of Vancouver, BC. So reach out and inquire through their website. Happy gaming, and always feel free to share photos with us and other D&D communities. Thank you!
0: right, gentlemen, this is the part that we've all been waiting for, the subclasses. And we've got some interesting, and some, they're very different in Xanathars. The rogue subclasses are not all the same by any means. So, we've each picked one Let's grab our dice, roll initiative. We we know the drill by now, and uh, oh, yeah. and we're going to go over the subclasses for a full mechanical breakdown of what the rogue has to offer. The base class, check out our previous episode on rogues, and we'll just be focusing uh, this time on these three subclasses here. There's also the mastermind, which is in xanathars. That's going to have to wait for a future episode as well. So let's grab our dice, let's roll initiative, and let's see who's going to talk first. 12. I got an 8. I am retiring my die. This has rolled a 3 now. I am just mad at... at I my... won with a 12.
2: Yep. Go ahead, Terry. What you got? Oh, I am doing Swashbuckler. I can't believe it's taking me so long to look at Swashbuckler. Um, so, Swashbuckler. Um, the the standard, I guess, stereotype is kind of the... What the hell's his name off Pirates of the Caribbean? Orlando Bloom? Jack? No, the other one. Oh. Yeah, we'll turn um, that type of like swashbuckling type characters is, is the stereotype that comes to mind. But basically, swashbuckler you focus your training on the art of the blade, relying on speed, elegance, and charm in equal parts. Okay, so a swashbuckler excels in single combat and can fight with two weapons while safely darting away from an opponent. So we, we think of that swashbuckling pirate type character. Because it doesn't have to be. We can flavor things as we like. So It's funny that baby. the
0: swashbuckler that I think of is Zoro. Yeah, well, yeah, Zorro's same. another
2: perfect example. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of another one. I can't.
1: <laughs> well, there's. I, I think of the three musketeers, right? Like, three musketeers? I mean, I I know they're musketeers, but they're swashbucklers with
0: guns. Is, wasn't Lindsay Lohan a uh, musketeer? Why did they never use their guns? They did. Did you not watch the movie? Kiefer Sutherland is a dreamboat.
2: No, I haven't watched you're, it. You're not wrong. I haven't watched it.
0: You need to watch it. Surprise! Sit down. Fucking surprise, it. Terry! God damn! <laughs> Is it good? I'll watch it. You shut you up! Been you been say that every quarantine. fucking time. You never watch anything. God damn! That's now I'm mad you've again. been
1: in quarantine for friggin', friggin six weeks now, <laughs> why haven't you caught up on your movies, Terry? i don't know. I'll be watching other stuff. I watched The Dark
2: Crystal for about nine minutes, maybe. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm done."
1: No, that's fair. Dark crystals. Don't no. end up
2: with that. Okay, let's go through some abilities by level. Okay, level three, you get fancy footwork, okay? When you choose this archetype, at third level, you learn how to land a strike and then slip away without reprisal. So during your turn, you make a melee attack against a creature. That creature cannot make opportunity attacks against you for the rest of your turn. Thoughts?
0: I like this. Um, isn't there a feat that's like this as well? Sentinel?
2: Oh, I thought that, but I can't think what it... Uh, no, Sentinel is is different. Sentinel is you reduce their speed to zero and they can't... Mm,
1: I forget. Somebody's screaming at us. Dan, do you know? Well, S- Sentinel is if someone uh, walks away from you and draws an attack opportunity, you could use your reaction to attack them, and if you hit, they speed reduces to zero and they can't move. Right. That's what Sentinel does. Um, in terms of uh, this... Uh no, there's not a I don't think there's a feat that does this, but there is definitely several um like uh There are monster abilities monk, that do this all Ranger, over. Ranger, yeah. rogue like there's there's abilities that can do this.
2: Well this kind of this is pure fencing to me, isn't it? You get in, you make your attack, and then you get out and you and you don't get hit. Um they kinda yeah. have yeah. you back. That's
0: crazy. I, I I really like this. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And at third level that's powerful, but it's not stupid powerful.
2: Yeah, and it's it, it allows you to play the character the way you want to play it as well without being this isn't game breaking. It's not like cause 100 points of damage just for existing, you know, or you know, stun the creature for 10 rounds or whatever some of the others are. Um this is uh it's a simple tactical uh based ability where you can kind of play your character in combat as you want
1: to. I don't mind it. Can can I just say one thing? Oh, you can say what you like. The way that. this is the way that this is worded is not that you hit. You just have to make an attack. If you make a weapon swing at something and you roll a two and you miss, that guy still cannot take opportunity attacks against you.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that. This makes a lot of sense when you... Let's say that you hide as a bonus action on your last round and then you run forward with your movement, you use your attack, and you dash away. You don't have to disengage. Yeah. Right? And you can probably get sneak attack because it came out of nowhere. You hit this guy from behind, right? Like there's a lot of opportunities here for a rogue to capitalize on their basic rogue abilities. This and really if, yep. fits nicely.
2: If you just want to get away a really far distance, don't waste your bonus action on disengage for rogue. This is okay. I will just attempt to hit him. You missed. I don't care. Bonus action disengage and then fuck off from there. Like, it's, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. you don't even need to do that is my point. You just attack them, then you just run away, and then you can bonus action dash. So you can double move away from a person just because you tried to hit them.
1: This will be an ability that you can use and will use every single combat until you're level 20. Yeah. yeah, And it will be a focus of the combat every single time. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. This is a keystone ability that I love.
2: Yes. Yes. Also, a third level, you get another one. I I don't know this word. Is this rakish, rakish? What is rakish? This? Rakish, rakish, yeah. <coughs> rakish. I've never heard this. Uh, All right, rakish. so
0: hold hold on. I'll I'll tell you the base of this is, um, <gasps> what well, you are a a rake. That it's an old term uh, for someone who's kind of like a rogue and a scoundrel was is a rake from mm. you know the hundreds of years ago. That was a term that they used. Um. That was actually my favorite, my, sorry, sidebar. You guys have derailed this a couple times. I want to derail it just once because I've never derailed this podcast before. Uh, Yeah, never. Never. Not once. Uh, 69. But uh, the. (laughs) Nice, 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 nice. Fuck. uh, (laughs) There was a final Jeopardy. uh, You know the show Jeopardy. There was a final Jeopardy, which was this, uh, this um, farm or, or gardening tool is also a clue for or is also a word for someone with ill repute or something and the guy that guessed it said ho and not ho, rake yeah. and it that's just we Yeah, no, but it was rake actually and that's why it stood out in my mind. But so <laughs> I like that this could also be ho-ish audacity if you wanted as well. I love it. Hoish audacity. I love it.
1: <laughs> so so uh just because I I, I can't resist a a, a good etymology oh, look okay. Um, I looked up the etymology of the word rake, and uh, someone who was a rake was a fashionable or wealthy man of dissolute or promiscuous habits. So Terry. So Terry. Dan, I'm not even mad,
2: because I didn't understand, like, six words in that sentence, so... <laughs> <laughs> so whatever, man. <laughs> Starting at 3rd level, your confidence propels you into battle. You give yourself a bonus to initiative rolls equal to your charisma modifier. You gain an additional way to use your sneak attack. You do not need advantage on the attack roll to use your sneak attack against a creature if you are within 5 feet of it. No other creatures are within 5 feet of you, and you do not have disadvantage on the attack roll. All other rules for sneak attack still apply to you. Basically, uh, you can add your charisma modifier to your initiative roll... And uh, you don't need advantage to get sneak attack. So basically, you get sneak attack most of the time, and you're adding, uh, what I imagine is at least plus three to your initiative. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if you
1: if you're if, if you are playing a swashbuckler, you know your first stat is dex. Your second stat is charisma. It just has to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, charisma or int, but I think you'd put it as charisma if you do a swashbuckler just purely because, you know, for this, right, third level.
0: Yeah, and honestly, you also know that, like, that's the kind of character you want to play, someone who has, you know, people's attention. they There is a certain amount of um, Jack Sparrow in this as well, where yeah. you get everyone to look at you as you step off the cliff. Right, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, he Ooh. died!" And then you just end up swinging away on, I don't know, a rope or some crazy bullshit. This
1: guy is a showman. This guy's exactly. a braggadachio. This guy is like, this is the character you play if you just want to go, aha,
0: did, a bunch of times during you your game. Brigadacio? Yeah, I've never what heard that is term before. It, it's a form of nut, I think, from the Caribbean.
1: No a, a braggadocio is someone who's a braggadocious who is a uh likes to make sure everybody knows that they're good at what they're doing and wants everybody to know uh all of the things they've done like it's someone who brags is a braggadocio uh, Brag uh, is an abbreviation uh, for the word braggadocious.
0: Bragadocious, really? bragadocious. Probably is only. I. I don't know this for certain, but I assume that that is one of the things that they rhyme in supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I can't imagine anyone else has ever used that word in the last three hundred years. I think you are right. I think it's in the th- the second verse of the song.
2: Dan's used like eight <laughs> words. I don't me. even know what they mean today.
1: Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, we
0: got Dan. Okay, keep going, Terry. No, look, <sighs> this one is this one's fantastic. I I love this as well. It's again. Powerful, not game-breaking.
2: Yeah. Ninth level panache. I'm sick of these words. At ninth level, your charm becomes extraordinarily beguiling language man as an action you can make a <laughs> it's dream. your language
0: what are you complaining you about
2: <laughs> contested by a creature's wisdom and insight check so the creature must be able to hear you and the two of you must share a language if you succeed on the check and the creature is hostile to you it has disadvantage on attack rules against targets other than you and cannot make opportunity attacks against targets other than you this effect lasts for one minute Uh, Until one of your companions attacks the target Or affects it with a spell Or until you and the target are more than 60 feet apart If you succeed on the check and a creature isn't hostile to you It is charmed by you for one minute While charmed, it regards you as a friendly acquaintance This effect ends immediately If you or your opponents do anything harmful to it Okay, I'm going to get your thoughts first on this
0: Alright, I like it Honestly, I think it is so much fun uh, To get the big boss to chase you around a large map Right, well, everybody else is sitting there like, you guys take the minions, I'm going to distract the big guy. Right, I like that. Especially when it's not like a legit boss, you have a bunch of kobolds with a hill giant on a leash, and then they release the hill giant to kill you guys, and you just are 10 feet ahead of the hill giant the whole time, while everyone else mops up the kobolds. Right, like, I I really, really like that. But the also the idea that for a role-playing, if they're not hostile... You can just, like, walk up and and charm without, the, see, there's none of this, oh, they know you've been charmed bullshit, like there is in some of the low-level uh, spells. So you can just go in and charm and befriend NPCs, shopkeepers, bartenders, that kind of thing, right? It's so I, text- get, I mean, it only lasts for a minute. It only lasts for a minute, but, I mean, we tend not to run initiative and role-playing scenarios, and there's nothing saying that you can't do it again. You just have to make another check right so you can just yeah. sit there and in theory your persuasion is pretty high you're a swashbuckler you pumped into charisma we already said right so in theory you're sitting there just saying the right thing to the right people over and over and over again you are the star of the yeah. masquerade right like is, that's that's a lot of fun
2: yeah this is like it's keeping the shopkeeper talking but it's keeping the trolls talking as well keeping the hill giant talking it's You're right, this is a distraction thing. The only time this would not work that I would get frustrated if I was playing this character is if the rest of the team or one member of the team was not going along with it. Like, hey, I'm obviously giving this guy the runaround. Don't just barbarian hit him on your turn, which is right after mine, because it fucks up everything I'm trying to achieve. Um, But if everybody's on board, this would be really good.
0: By ninth Um, level, you guys should know the dynamics of the party, though. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue.
1: This, to me, is... uh, It's not so much you trying to get, like, a one-up in combat as much as it is this is your get-out-of-jail-free card. As you're running away from someone that you've pissed off because you're a, you know, highly charismatic, boastful person playing a swashbuckler. You've pissed someone off and you're running down the street. You need to turn down an alley. But there's that one, like, uh, scullery maid who's, like, washing something outside. And you're just like, I was never here. And like flood your eyelashes at them, they get all twitterpated. You hop behind something, and they cover for you for that minute. And the guards and everything run past, and then you walk out, and you're like, "Thanks, sweetheart. Never see you again." And you walk away. Like that's the kind of thing I would use this this uh, ability for. Yeah, see, I like it I, a little
2: bit. Of I'm Aladdin. with you.
0: Yes, exactly. I was about to say Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I also well, I also see this in combat too. Where you, like, like Dan, like, your fucking character would literally run laps around the perimeter of a massive battle map where there's a fight in the middle. (laughs) And I can just see this character, like, this character, a swashbuckler, running 55 feet, because, you know, you can't go further than 60, right? So you go 55 feet, turn around and go, come at me, bro. And then he (laughs) lumbers along after you. You turn around and do it again. Come on, come on. Right, just (laughs) just distracting a low intelligence creature. The flesh golem will ignore everyone else and come after you, right? Just long enough for the necromancer to turn that thing into dust. Yeah, exactly. So you can. This is the verbal equivalency of of um, a kick in the balls. It's not quite vicious mockery, but you're getting close. This is some bard level shit, right? So I like it. There's a lot of battlefield control here.
2: I like it. Yeah, you guys have helped me think about ways that I would probably use it better. At first, it, it seemed difficult on, on how to use it. Um, okay, Elegant Maneuver. Starting at 13th level, you can use a bonus action on your turn to gain advantage on the next dexterity, um, sorry, acrobatics and athletics check you make during the same turn. Okay, I'll get your thoughts first, then I'll throw mine in.
0: It seems weak for 13th.
1: This feels super weak for 13th level, but at the same time, fits. Because of oh, Inigo Montoya, that's another uh, swashbuckler. Swashbuckler. That's another swashbuckler <laughs> Like uh, uh, so if you watch the whole scene where Diego Montoya and uh freaking uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts are fighting in that old ruined thing, they're jumping from from spot to spot, hitting the swords a couple times. They're talking back and forth, and then they're like randomly doing like the the balance beam and. And like acrobatic gymnastic bars in the middle of it. Like, that's what this is there for. This, this is to, uh, like, this is your princess bride level shit. I love it. Terry, have you seen the princess bride? No. Is he good? Fuck sakes, Terry. God damn it. Know what? No. Shit. You're watching that movie before the end of the I, week. You don't have an option. God damn it, Terry. Really? Princess Bride? I've never seen it's it. It's like right I've up your alley. I'm so mad. I've seen little bits, like,
2: chopped up in the wrong order and all that stuff. But also, Dan, you said Twitter pitted a minute ago and I had no idea what that meant either. So, this is just one of those episodes. Also, this, uh, as a bonus action for athletics and acrobatics uh, checks, basically means that this rogue is, is rolling with advantage Always forever after this because it's a bonus action. Yes. So as you're going through the dungeon, oh, okay, I guess I'll just bonus action advantage the shit out of this then. Uh, it also means they suddenly become a really good grappler, which is good. So we'll take that.
0: Um, because it's 13th level? Sure. Sure. You know what? <laughs> Honestly, you guys have talked me into it. It's, see, I thought that I'm like, you know what? Who gives a shit? You're probably already proficient with acrobatics, so who cares? But. Uh, no, you're you're turning me around Fuck on this. A you're bit. a rogue. You're probably you've probably got expertise in it. I don't know. You've probably picked stealth, uh, sleight of hand. You're a swashbuckler, so you've gone the charisma over the dexterity and the intelligence at this point. So I don't know. Maybe I think that when you're building the character, you would know that you get this eventually, so you don't take it. Yeah. But that's for people that are min maxing. Um, I don't know. I I do like this. And look, rogues are stacked anyway. They got so much other shit that it being a little bit weak doesn't hurt the class. There's still yeah. a powerhouse.
2: This this is where I would, especially if you're getting towards the later tiers, where I would start taking one on the chin with this rogue where it's like, okay, well, I have advantage on athletics, checks, so I have, I have advantage to, to grapple. And now I would just be pumping my like sleight of hand, just trying to take the, the ring or the staff or whatever off the lich, um, because I think you've got a higher success rate with this, so I might get a little bit braver with this character, uh, with this with elegant maneuver, I don't mind it. Okay, 17th level, you get oh, Master... Hold on,
0: hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. Is no one going to address the fact that Terry just said pumping sleight of hand? No? Alright, fine, keep going. Episode 69! <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs> Master Duelist, beginning at 17th level, your mastery of the Blade lets you turn failure into success in combat. I can already hear Adam not liking this at all. If you miss with an attack roll, you can roll it again with advantage. Once you do so, you cannot use this feature again until you finish a short rest or a long rest.
0: I'm on board. I like it. I don't think th- I don't have a problem with it at all. I guess it's 17th Honestly, level. It's 17th level, and I'll tell you something. We just finished um, a campaign with a, we had an arcane trickster in it at one point. We had a uh, inquisitive at one point, and we had a mastermind at one point. So like this was a rogue heavy campaign. And the number of times, especially in tier three, or uh, sorry, in tier four, that they went in for that sneak attack hit that was a critical moment and it missed because they didn't have this kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And they just fell flat and like, well, I what the fuck do I do then? Like, I guess that's my turn. I'll disengage and run away. Right, I, this makes the rogue still relevant at high levels. When there are some people that are having six attacks around, when there are people that are stunning nine different creatures, we, you, you're talking eighth level spells at this point, right? Like, there's a lot going on with everybody else. This doesn't imbalance it. If it was earlier, I would be a little annoyed, but this this feels like it's in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Nice. Is is that what we've got for the swashbuckler there, Terry?
1: That's it. That's everything.
0: I like it overall. I think that's a lot of fun. I'm surprised we don't see more of them. I like
2: it. It's more. Yeah, a, I, I, it's more I, tactical, right? So if you like to play a tactical game, and uh, you know, I like to be tactical every now and again. Um, it, it's. I think it makes rogue a little easier to play in combat because the thing with rogue is you only get that one attack, and it's got to work. And you're trying to capitalize on it, so you're trying to always make it a sneak attack. And me and Dan played this game when we were playing uh, with each other, where I would get him where I need him to be so that I could flank the same enemy and use sneak attack, but then he would inevitably fuck off at the end of his turn and ruin my plan.
1: So, because he- This entire sentence is very displeasing <laughs> out of context. <laughs>
2: because dan was doing his thing and i was doing my thing right you're thinking about your character i'm thinking about my character um yeah but this gives us more a little bit more a few more options right more room to play with the with the rogue where that one attack is everything
1: yeah i i agree i'm I'm with you i think that the the one the one thing i would say is um it's not unique and i think that's one of the reasons why we don't see a lot of swashbucklers is there's College of Swords, Bards, there's College of Valor, Bards, there's multiple versions of Fighters, and, like, a Kensai Monk could pull away some of this stuff. Uh, uh, like, it's not a very unique build. I like it. It's lots of fun. It's got some interesting little uh, flavor in it, but um, you would have to work pretty hard to make this a... a, a well, I mean, you'd have to put a little bit of extra legwork in this to make this a very unique, fun um, character, in, in, my, in my mind, that you could play for a long-term campaign. Like, to me, a swashbuckler is Swashbucklers a one-off character. It's not something I'm playing for a long-term campaign.
0: Uh, I, I disagree. I feel, I feel like you're right. There's a lot of other things that will step on the toes of this. This is not the most unique thing mechanically. But if you look at it from a role-playing perspective, the ego that is assumed that comes with this, the pure, I mean, panache, I guess, right? The, the overwhelming attitude and charisma of this character. Whereas you have, you know, there are, there are scenarios where you have, um, uh, let's say, a paladin that requires a high wisdom score or a warlock that needs to be a little bit stronger than normal. This is your high charisma rogue. Right, and so when you you walk into the room and you say, "Ha ha, look at me," and everyone else is like, "The bard says, no, look at me." Like, yeah, look at that pansy. What was that? A ukulele? Fuck off. I have swords. Right, like this is this is your. um, I am better than you, um, persona. When it comes to I think the dynamic with bards, I'm not saying they are better than bards. I'm saying that they would think yep. they're better than bards and they're going to be the loudest one they're going to they're going to try to outbard the a bard and if the bard outbard's the rogue then the rogue will steal their wallet <laughs> okay so uh next on the
1: list we have the inquisitive that's uh that's me i'm taking care of the inquisitive rogue and i've played one of these very recently i love this i love this little uh this uh subclass this archetype so, uh, we'll just break it down. At third level, you get your ear for deceit. Um, you have a special talent for picking up lies. Uh, whenever you make an insight check to determine whether a creature is lying, um, any roll of a seven or a lower is an eight. I don't know. <sighs> This is this is going to this is the start of the rogues can't fail. Well, now, this is on top of the idea that rogues will eventually get reliable talent as well. Here's
2: the thing. The only thing I want to point to this though is that it assumes that the inside checks are yes he's lying. No, he's not lying. And I don't like it to be like that. I prefer to, to flesh it out as a DM. If you roll highly I will say things that they're doing with their body language, changes in behavior, the way that they're moving their face, how they reacted when you said certain words to highly suggest that it looks like they may be lying or hiding something. I don't, you, as we said before, insight checks are not detect thoughts. But if you will highly, I'll reward you by by pointing out the behavior that suggests they are lying. This kind of starts to lean towards detect thoughts, which I don't like.
0: Mm -hmm. i agree with terry Mm -hmm. i ran into this issue with you dming against this dan and a lot of the times i would just give it to you because you were getting free by the time you added your modifier to the minimum eight you were having oh i've got like 30 fucking billion insight like fine yes he's lying i think i think
1: by the time we were going the lowest i could possibly roll on an insight was a 33
0: yeah, and by then, what do you do? Like, the, And I know it's not to thoughts, but one of the things that I started to do was, and it fit my moral ambiguity campaign pretty nicely, was I started to say, he believes it. Or, it seems like there's something wrong with how he phrased that. These are indicators that that's not the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. There's something missing in here, and you know that there's something fishy. Keep digging. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, by tier four, by the, by, by the time that you're level 16, that's what the player wants out of that character. I have no problem with that at high level. My problem is at level five when they're doing this. It's just, yeah. I just think it's too early. I have no problem with this yeah. as an no, 11 level. You're not level.
1: wrong. You're not wrong. I, I, I agree. This is at level three. You get this. Like, come on. Yeah. Um. Also at level three, you get your eye for detail, which is... Uh, which will allow you to roll a bonus action to make a Wisdom perception check to spot a hidden creature or object, or to make an investigation check to uncover or decipher clues. This is also a third level uh, that gives you the ability to discover hidden objects as a perception check for a bonus action. This is a you know counter to like even invisibility or.
2: <laughs> Here's what I don't like. It's too vague on this so a third level if your dm pulls up well the one of the ones i remember is that adam gave a long time ago that map that was very difficult to decipher until we kind of went through the game and started to piece it together the straight line map you know kind of look like a circuit board type thing Mm -hmm. so what a third level i can just roll a wisdom perception check and i can decipher that clue just like that because that at that point is game breaking but again it's it's too vague because you might argue no well technically by the text here yes i can at what level how much information can i get you know at what point is a clue a clue if you don't know it's a
1: clue is it really a clue this it's just too vague for me the way i would run this is uh for one i think that the focus on this rule is that it's as a bonus action so this is happening in the heat of combat Right to discern these things to to do what you need to do here. So this isn't like breaking down a large campaign level riddle in the middle of combat. This is this
0: is to like try to find the secret door. This is to you're right, Dan. Um, but what you're talking about here is rules as intended. You, you very likely could in the middle of combat use your bonus action to solve the fucking riddle. Right. Yeah you're not wrong And so rules as written is what Terry's complaining about You're talking rules as intended I think that again the DM needs to have A certain level of plausible deniability Where you say You know that the hidden creature is in this direction I think the word that's missing here is To help spot a hidden creature Or to help uncover or decipher clues Yeah Right it's not going to give you the answer right now. It's going to give you a generic idea of where something is. If I was going to DM an, an inquisitive again, I would sit down and look at all of their shit and say, look, here's how I'm going to do it so that you are not just wrecking the plot at every turn because that's no. what this character is.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the response to this, and uh, I mean, you did this to a lesser extent, Adam, is you just upped the DCs.
0: Well, I did. Yeah, that was also, that was also a big thing. But I mean, that's right. That was that so. Was. I'm walking around as
1: a rogue with with ridiculous percent. Like I was radar. I would walk into a room and I would know where everything is and what everyone's was thinking almost. Uh, and then I got telepathy, and then actually, but like it, it was it was one of those things that was just like it needed to be mitigated. And I think he did a good job by upping the DCs and adding adding. Um, vagueness for the player to try to figure things out to a certain extent. Like if I if I blew the DC out of the water, you told me a clear answer. This means this period. Yeah. But if I was if I wasn't close, you would give me you'd mislead me, you'd give me misinformation. You would give me uh like half truths like this is this is not as crippling to a DM I think as uh, the initial reaction is, I think like leads
0: leads us to believe. I, I think that you're right. If the DM has experience, but rules as For written. For the DM, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Rules as written. Remember, uh, DC fifteen is supposed to be hard, right? That's that's nothing to an inquisitive. A DC fifteen mm-hmm. is nothing. That is a fart in the wind. So, anyways, what else do we have? Also at third level. Fuck. We're
1: not done for third level here, boys. You get the ability to decipher an opponent's tactics and counter them before they know it. So you get to read combat very well. You roll an insight check, which by the way, you can't roll less than a seven. Um, versus the opponent's deception check. And if you
0: win, you get a sneak attack regardless of you uh, if you have advantage or not. I actually like this that is not mechanically game breaking that is you it takes a bonus action to do it right so you're giving up your high yep. dash disengage right like I, I don't know i like this but that but that bonus lasts a minute as well yeah but it it's not an automatic you have to roll for it you're not just blowing this ability you've got a this is a contested um class feature right yeah. and so i don't know i think I think that this fits. This is this is good. This keeps the Inquisitive a little bit more combat focused because there's very little else in here that is.
2: Does that mean if you succeed, you get advantage under the attack rolls against that creature for one minute?
1: Yep. No. No, it's...
2: The benefit lasts for one minute.
1: Uh, so... What it does is it gives you the ability to use sneak attack against the target even if you don't have advantage. Oh, sorry. It gives you sneak attack. Sorry. It sense. lets
0: you use your sneak attack regardless of advantage. Yeah. For one minute. For, for one minute. Which is ten rounds. But, I mean, honestly, if you can't kill a thing in ten rounds anyway, <laughs> you're probably, as a rogue, yeah. yeah, you're probably in trouble. So, yeah. again, I'm fine with this. It's It seems like it's long, but uh, I'm fine with it. And the moment that you change your target to someone else and successfully use this feature it goes away on the original target so it's essentially like a hunter's mark almost but for your sneak attack right where you're shifting it around the battlefield and it lasts a certain amount of time sure sure cool i'm into it yeah
2: i'm thinking about it here and it's like if it was the minions you're facing you're right it's probably going to be one or two maybe three rounds that you're trying to take that thing down um so that's okay, and if you're doing it against the big bad, well, more power too if you just standing and banging with that guy anyway. So yeah, I'm alright with it. Yeah.
0: You're gonna have you're gonna have some amount of sneak attack against the big bad anyway, because frankly, your monk and your paladin are up there face to face with them giving you that's what... giving you flanking and, and sneak attack and stuff anyway, all right. Yeah, yeah. fine. Exactly. Yeah.
1: All right, so uh, time to make this guy an even more ridiculous radar. Um, at ninth level, you add advantage on any perception or investigation check if you move no more than half your speed on the same turn. I feel like you forgot this one a lot, Dan. I did. I never got up this high to get this. Oh, is that why? We, okay, yeah. You you multi class. I was only a. I think I only went three levels into into inquisitive rogue. Yeah. Okay. No, I went five. Uh, by the end of the campaign, I was five levels
0: rogue. Well, how, well, how do you feel, Terry?
1: I
2: don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. So this means from ninth level, basically you have an advantage on intelligence and perception checks forever. Because, it, yeah, it says half your speed on the same turn, but that doesn't matter. Let me stand here for six seconds and think about it. Now I'll do it. You know, it's... Yeah. It's, it's game-breaking for me. This is just rogues are good at everything. Again, it's... Um, I don't like it. It's too much. It's too much.
0: Yeah. Especially because these are the two skills that you are going to have expertise in as a rogue perception because everybody wants the highest perception ever and investigation because you're a fucking rogue, right? So this is just, it's over the top, but thematically, this is Sherlock Holmes, right? He's going to walk into the room, stop in his tracks, look around and slowly do a lap taking in everything. And yeah. I think that that's why it's there, but you're right. It's, it's ninth level. There needs to be some amount of limitation at this point, And the rogues are just the skill monkeys have always been at this point. So,
1: well, we're about to get to the 13th level ability, which is absolutely bonkers. As an action at level 13, you could use your unerring eye ability. You get this ability a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier in a day and you get all expended uses back on a long rest. Now, what this ability does is, as an action, you sense the presence of illusions, shape-changers, or any other magic designed to deceive your senses within 30 feet of you. You don't get exact details as to what is being uh, deceived, only that it is deceiving you. So, you know it's a shape-changer, but you don't know what its true form is. You know it's an illusion, but you don't know what it's hiding. Now, this is on top of the inquisitive uh, uh, rogue, who, let's be completely honest, wisdom's going to be one of those stats you pump up as well. So you're you're getting this three-so times every long rest? That That's... I mean, it's not game-breaking, but at the same time, this is... This is some divination-level shit.
2: Yeah, it, it's... This is too much because the one before this is steady eye, right? So now it's nothing can hide from you. And when you find it, you know, if it's not what it's pretending to be immediately, it's or wait six seconds and then you do like it's 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 just it's too much because it plays down all of the other characters that may be leaning into these stats right so suddenly poor ranger i feel bad for the rangers having a hard time right where we kind of rely on their wisdom and you know their perception and and it's it doesn't matter anymore it doesn't matter how good you are you know monk doesn't matter how high your wisdom is we got somebody better over here so the other things that the 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 rest of the people at the table are enjoying about their character the bit that they get to contribute is just nullified because this person could do everything
1: yeah this is the person like they and they did this we eventually ended up doing this with locky as well at a level 20 it's like all right so, Lockie's in the front, and he's going to detect all of the uh, um, traps and illusions and everything going forward. The other rogue, who had more levels in rogue, will disarm them, but Lockie will find them. Yeah. Right? and And it was just a given at a certain point. I actually don't mind this ability too much because there's far too little that just, you know destroys the illusion this doesn't destroy the illusion this doesn't um destroy the shape changer this makes you the the tip-top detective who could say something's not right and it gives you the focus to be then be able to ask the proper questions to get past whatever the illusion whatever the deceit that is hitting you <laughs> all
0: right hold on I, I'm, I'm, so gonna uh, man, I'm gonna try i'm gonna it on this one look um <sighs> the unerring eye As a dungeon master, this gives me the opportunity mid tier three. So things are really ramping up now to add a level of complexity to my puzzles and traps and my illusions and other things that I might not put in if I don't have uh, someone who's a Sherlock Holmes in the middle of the of the party. If I've got a party full of barbarians and fighters, the the puzzles that I'm going to give you are you have a red rock and a blue rock and there's a red bull and a blue bull. And I will sit back and wait 45 minutes for you guys to figure this the fuck out. However, because the red rock and the blue bowl, right? Fuck off, Dan. However, <laughs> there is with with this kind of character and the ability to see through it, I would have things like you guys are hunting some sort of lycanthropes, and you run across this this bartender, and if and here's the thing if the player says I would like to use my unerring eye feature. If it activates, I wouldn't let this just be fucking passive, right? If you stop and really, really focus, stop and I'm going to see, is the bartender the lycanthrope? And I'm going to say, you know that he's not acting like a normal dwarf does. There's something suspicious going on here. Well, it's actually a doppelganger. You just can finally, i uh, like, see that there's other things here. I'm adding an extra level of complexity to make up for this, to make a more fleshed out campaign. If there's an inquisitive in the party, I have to think more complicated. There has to not just be a reason why behind everything, so that I've got an answer, but there has to be a certain level of chess that I'm playing with their abilities. I don't mind that as a DM, but it takes a lot of effort.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would agree in the sense that, yeah, they need to say if they're using their unerring eye, Ability, in the same sense that I expect the Barbarian to tell me that he's going into a rage, or or for the fighter to tell me they're using their second wind. Me as the DM, it's not up to me to remember all of your abilities or decide when you want to use them. So I think, Adam, you're right in that it's up to the player to say that they would like to use this ability.
0: Yeah, my my thing here is that it takes an action to do this, which means you have to activate this. This is like your danger sense, right? um or or what's what's the one where your favorite enemy or or whatever it is where where you or, or what's the one where you can sense if there are fae and celestials nearby and shit you have to activate that it's not just up and running yeah. and so yeah. considering that you can sit there and have all sorts of puzzles and stuff laid out and your player may not activate this i think that you're okay I think that there will be instances where you will still be able to pull a fast one, especially if you are uh, playing that chess game where you can distract them and pull their attention in other directions. Yeah. So, you guys are right. This shit is game-breaking. So, my solution is play a better game. And this is one of the handful of times that you can do that where it's not just more hit points, higher AC, raise the difficulty level. No, put the thought in, design your game better.
1: Yep, now I'm with you on that one. Um, finally, and this is, this is probably going to be the easiest of the abilities that they get. Um, this is the eye for weakness at 17th level. When you learn to exploit uh, a creature's weaknesses through your insightful fighting ability, that's the one where you roll insight versus their deception. You get to add an additional 3d6 to your sneak attack damage. Sure. Yep. 17th, yeah, level, 17th level. Yeah. Go nuts. nuts. Go nuts. Add damage. Yep. Um, what is the level, what is the, uh, sneak attack damage at 17th level? Oh, no, like 9d6
0: or something. It, it's high. Remember, you're adding an average of 10 here with 3d6, so there's really nothing, like, over the fucking top here, so. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're adding
1: 12d6 to your sneak oh, attack you damage. Go. Yeah, sure. Whatever, well, who cares?
2: What, if you're doing 12,
0: you're doing 15, aren't you? Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> it, it, honestly, it doesn't matter because that dragon has 900 goddamn hit points. Who gives a fuck? Right? Exactly. This just keeps yeah. you. This is the other mechanical boon that you get in combat for an inquisitive, and you need the help at this point because you have been relegated to the guy that solves the puzzles, the guy driving the plot forward, the guy that knows more than everybody else, the guy with the super high intelligence, probably not the face of the party, but one of the heavier role players. You need you need something to be able to just occupy your time during combat. Sure. Yep. Fucking sure. I don't care. Sure. Take this one. Again, I like this. And that's me. That's yeah, that's, I, I, that's the end of it. I like this. I like it. I think it's it's different. It's very different than anything else. It's fairly similar yeah, to it's, the mastermind. It is like the... Uh, whereas this is about um, your surroundings, and the mastermind is about uh, NPCs and people. Um, but there there are a lot of uh, of unique things here. So I do like it. Yeah. I think that you guys are right. It's super overpowered and it just it it makes it more difficult for some of the other players to engage. Yeah. My only issue
1: with it is that it is the detective archetype of Dungeons and Dragons 5e. No other off the top of my head archetype. Or subclass or anything else in all of D, except for maybe a divination wizard, is going to be able to determine the the amount of lies and be the better quote unquote detective in the group. That feels wrong to me that the rogue is the best detective in the game when I mean the paladin should have something there. The cleric should have something there. No the but the fighter Dan, they, should have something there. They
0: do. There's still trickery, domain. There's still knowledge, cleric. There's still mastermind rogues. You still get zone of truth if you're a divine caster. There's other stuff going on. I think that there's even a bunch of mind reading bullshit going on with some of the warlocks, right? There is. Oh well, yeah, I mean that there's yeah. there's stuff you can be other kinds of detectives, but this one is definitively you're right, Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts on that one before I I launch into mine? Nope. Let's do it. Okay, so, guys, I've got the scout, and I'm super, super excited about it because this is the most straightforward freaking thing in the world. I don't, when I first started reading this, I'm like, fuck off. Why is this not, why is this not a ranger subclass, right? It's a scout, Yeah. but it says right in it that these are the rogues that are out there with the barbarians and the rangers. They are the scouts that serve as the eyes and ears of war bands. They're ambushers, they're spies, they're bounty hunters, and and even more, but they go out into the wilderness and they can live off the land and they are more likely to be a part of an army uh, at the foreground. Your scout is, how many rogues operate... All right, everybody stay here, I'll be back in a minute, I'm just going to go look around the corner. This is actually the the subclass that is built to do it. uh, And I'll tell you why. Let's go through this. Starting at third level... You're difficult to pin down during a fight. Which means that if an enemy ends its turn within 5 feet of you, so they've already got their attack in or whatever, right, they've moved up to you, you can move up to half of your speed using your reaction. This movement does not provoke opportunity attacks. So that guy runs up to you, he hits you, you can just back up 15 feet. It doesn't put you out of a crazy amount of range. You're not now ducking, you know, um, ranged or spellcasting uh, characters. This is this is. I mean, this doesn't help you with a roper, right? Like you're gonna get <laughs> fucked. So this this doesn't bother me in the least. What do you no, guys? I think? don't
2: mind it. It also means that you're now not the immediate option for the next turn. Now you're just an equal an option as anybody else. So as that enemy comes back around to their turn, they're like, okay, well, fuck. Who do I hit? It means that you can get out of the way of any AoE spells of the wizard or the sorcerer was just about to cast. Um, I don't mind it. I think it's good tactical ability.
1: Dan, any input? Um, honestly, the scout, like the the sorry, the skirmisher ability.
0: No, um, uh, you guys said it. I've got I've got nothing to add. It's just a great ability. Um, there's, uh, also a third level survivalist, which is when you choose this archetype, you gain proficiency in nature and survival skills. If you don't already have it, your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make that uses either of these proficiencies. So you essentially get expertise, just bang nature and survival. There you go. I'm good with it. You're a scout. Makes you a better ranger than the ranger, (laughs) but I'm good with it. Yep.
1: Terry thoughts um i like
2: it because it gives you a little bit of uh, it's like what you were saying right at the start right it's kind of ranger ish so it gives you a little dip into ranger but it allows you to play the type of character that you want still if you don't want to go full ranger where we know from our ranger episodes where you're kind of like okay look i don't really want this to be me if you do want to be more combative more kind of sneaky peeky rogue style it gives you a little dip into that um but it's not game breaking so i don't mind it
0: yeah you never want to go full ranger <laughs> um At ninth level, you get superior mobility, which is just that your walking speed increases by 10 feet. Which means that if you can dash, um, then you are going to get an extra 20 feet. Um, But if you have a climbing or swimming speed, this increase applies to that speed as well. Interesting. So, let me break this down for you. Your base walking speed, we're going to say, is 30 feet. At ninth level, it becomes 40 feet. Which means you can dash... Um, as a bonus action, for uh, for up to 80 feet. If you use your action to dash as well, you can go 120. You used to go 90, so you're fast. Yeah. But when you are climbing or swimming, rules as written in fifth edition, you it just acts as difficult terrain. So your 30 feet used to only get you 15. So this gets you 25. This gets you 25. Doesn't get you 20. It doesn't go up to 40 and get halved right it it's it, no it's more than that it makes it 30 because your um your walking speed is 40 right which means that you move at half speed so that's 20 but then because of this this increases the that speed as well climbing or swimming not on difficult terrain but you can climb and sw- and swim up at 30 now right this one has some tricky freaking math to it but there it is because it is based upon your regular walking speed, climbing and swimming. I'm going to go through it again. Climbing and swimming is half your walking speed. Now that it's 40 in, it is now 20 and then you increase it by another 10. So you are really good at swimming and climbing. You are the person that is out there in the wilderness moving fast.
1: Yeah. Did you, how well do you guys know your Conan the barbarian? Not very well. Uh, I know my memes. Okay, there. I I am a massive Conan fan. I'm not sure if you guys under uh, knew this. Um, there is a character in the old like 1980s Conan the Barbarian movie named Subotai. Subotai is kind of Conan's little buddy who comes around with him and follows him around everywhere. Subotai is a scout and no ability to me. Uh, says that more than this because there's like there's scenes where Subotai's is just climbing around everywhere and everyone's all like a wonderful little guy's okay and then he pops out in the middle of nowhere ganks a dude and opens up the door for Conan and then makes a quip is oh you know it's not all about strength all the time right like Subotai, like the, the this is where this sits to me and he's he's a very primal character as well like he has he has the horned fur helmet if you recall
0: Man, I haven't seen Conan the Barbarian since I was eight years old. I watch it once a year, minimum. Terry watches it never. I'm just guessing, because Terry doesn't ever see movies.
2: (laughs) The Discord keeps cutting out. All I can hear is Adam just saying my name. (laughs) Yes, I agree to whatever. But also (laughs) with this. So if I play a wood elf rogue of this archetype, and I take the mobile feet, that means my base movement is 55 feet.
1: Yep. Yeah. You know, dip two levels in uh, Barbarian and it's 65
0: feet. There you go. <laughs> oh, man, you cross you cross this with a monk, this shit's out of control. Right? <laughs> so there, there's a lot of fun stuff going on with, with superior mobility. Uh, the next one is Ambush Master. Starting at 13th level, uh, you are really good at ambushing people. You get advantage on initiative rolls. And in addition, the first creature you hit during the first round of a combat becomes easier for you and others to strike. So all attack rolls against that target have advantage until the start of your next turn.
1: Cool. So I like this more than I like the uh, uh, assassin. I like
2: uh, this because I, if you've all decided that you're just gonna just gonna simultaneously attack the royal carriage, you've crushed it immediately.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many times have you guys hatched a plan? And then you roll initiative and we all got to wait for that guy's turn. I'm just going to hold my action. I'm going to hold my action. I'm going to hold my action. Right. This, this lets you get in front of it a little bit better. It fits thematically. All of this fits so nicely thematically. And the, the interesting thing is, um, the first creature that you hit during the first round of combat, you're a rogue. How many freaking attacks do you get? One. And you hit them and then everybody else gets advantage. Right, so until the start of your next turn, so you don't actually benefit from this. You go first, you hit them probably with sneak attack. Let's be honest, because you're going to get a bit of a surprise round nine times out of ten, and then um, everybody else is is going to benefit from that as well. I think this is a lot of fun. I'm not sure I like it more yeah. than the, what the assassin can do. I think that I there's like- a lot of that there's a lot of stuff that. Uh, it's very similar to this with the Gloomstalker Rogue as well, which is up on the first round of the first turn in combat, you can do this and this. I like that it's conditional. I like, I like that this it. is hit hard ahead, and like, fade away.
2: But this is also what some people want the ranger to be, right? You want that, that guerrilla warfare style, like cam and concealment in the woods, shooting people from the trees type character and it's not quite what we get with the ranger and it's not quite what we get with the fighter so this scout rogue gives us that. I would love
1: this character Any thoughts Dan? Again I'm, I'm loving every step of this I mean it makes sense as a scout that the scout is the guy who's setting up the ambush just makes sense
0: Yep. The last thing that you get at 17th level is a sudden strike. You can strike with deadly speed. If you take the attack action on your turn and obviously I mean you will Uh, You can make one additional attack as a bonus action. So now this is going to stack with your Ambush Master. The bonus action attack that you get can benefit from your sneak attack even if you've already used it this turn. But you can't use your sneak attack on the same target more than once in a turn. So you can appear out of nowhere, stab two guys before, like, because you're first in initiative, and the first one that you hit, everyone else is going to have advantage on on hitting as well until the end of your next turn because of this of this ambush master ability as well. So sudden strike yeah. actually stacks quite nicely with um with the rest of uh, what you have going on with this character. How do you guys feel about this one?
2: I like it because this feels like the build up to if you're making your way towards the citadel or the tower or whatever you're making your way towards and you have, you know, you have to get there before you get there. You have to get to Mordor before you make your way through. This feels like, before you get to the tower, this feels like this character feels um, justified and useful because they're the people that are getting you there. You're sneaking up with people, taking the enemies out, and not getting seen. And I think, you know, as a capstone ability here for for this archetype. I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, at 17th level, there's no real downside. You can't say this is overpowered. It's perfectly fair. This character feels useful, they feel powerful, and they feel like they're doing their bit, so i got no problem with it.
1: Yeah. That- for For me, um, I want to make a very important distinction. Um, almost every class, especially a rogue, gets the ability to attack as a bonus action. Um this is not a bonus action attack. This is an attack as a bonus action. So um, the way I would rule this as a DM is um, it is a normal attack in every way, shape, or form. You get your full modifier uh, damage uh, with with your attack. You get full proficient, like all of that. You don't have to worry about two-weapon fighting for this for this specific attack. Um, and the rules for two weapon fighting for this attack, this is just another attack that takes up your bonus action. Um, and and that that that's an important distinction you gotta make. Um, the, sorry, the, the, sorry the, other thing, to,
0: the other thing too is now you because this is an additional attack action and not, you know, your off handed attack, you don't have to use a light weapon.
1: Yeah. You could walk up... Well, you have to use a light weapon to sneak attack, I think. Nope, finesse. Okay, yeah. So you gotta use a finesse weapon, at the very least, finesse to sneak it's, attack. It's finesse or ranged. Okay. Well, either way... Oh, or ranged. Oh, shit, that just opened this up. Yeah. Because now you're doing this from the trees.
0: Yeah. No, I'm on board. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so, look. Um. All in all, this scout seems really, really straightforward and simple. Um, and I don't have much to add to this. I like this. It has got the most boring fucking name out of all of the stuff that, uh, that are all of the different subclasses for rogues, right? When you list off, you can be an assassin or an arcane trickster, a mastermind, an inquisitive, a swashbuckler, right? You can be a thief or a, or a scout. And I think that people just, just move right past it. But, like, if you want to be a ranger, be a scout. You're just going to do it better.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think what's happening with these, uh, these rogue archetypes here is they're so fun. But it's like you gotta be careful to what it's adjacent to, right? So ranger in this case, and 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 check your party politics here, because I feel like you're gonna be pissing people off. And that you know people get excited for the campaigns, right? We put a lot of effort into our character, but if you show up as a, well, you know we our friend Jess, if you show up as the as the wood elf ranger, you're super pumped. And then
1: some guy shows up here as a wood elf scout, you're gonna be like, fuck you, man. Like it's, it's <laughs> I I no no I I don't know I don't know about that because I sit here and I go. Oh, uh, uh, a... Because she was a horizon walker, right? Not sure, I can't remember. Can't hold remember. on, hold on. Yeah.
0: So, sorry. Um, I, I gotta interrupt with something because I've been looking this up for the last couple of minutes. So, sneak attack can be done with a finesse weapon, right? Off-handed attack needs to be light weapons. Rapiers and whips are not light weapons. They do not count towards your off-handed attack ability there. So, you cannot wield a whip in your other hand or a rapier in your other hand unless you get this for a rogue the 17th level ability. Or or you take the feats. But yeah. Yes, but like without blowing a feat here. Like but so so there's there's your answer. It's this opens up rapiers and whips so that you can technically have two rapiers in your hands. No, I I this is this is
1: amazing. I love it. Sorry, you were, you were talking about Jess and the Horizon Walker. I cut you off. So, so I, I see this as an opportunity for you to have a one-two punch at the beginning of combat. Because Jess always went first. And then as a Horizon Walker, she is dropping ambush and then popping into another reality. And she'll be back next turn across the battlefield to fuck your shit. Um. I, I see this like a scout pairing with an assassin, a scout pairing with a ranger, a scout pairing with a shit, an a, a inquisitive rogue or a monk or a barbarian who's just going to savage ta- attack the shit out of something. Like, uh, I think the scout is one of those classes that has a place in every party regardless of what, what else is there. Like a scout will always have a scout with another scout do it they both have a place they're both unique they're both awesome characters
0: yeah, yeah. look here's here's the thing about the scout and I, like i just want to talk about about initiative for just a moment here it's not going to work every every time you're it's rolled um so you do get uh advantage on initiative rolls not until level 13 right and it does put you up there and there are other there are rangers that get it there are other subclasses they get uh, bonuses to uh, to initiative. Now, guys, I'm going to sports for a minute, so buckle up. I'm going to talk about baseball because I was a freaking umpire for years and I love the sport. Um, and I'm one of the handful of people left alive that actually gives a shit about it. But um, at least in Canada. Um, but the thing about About baseball is that when you set your batting lineup It really matters who goes first and in what order You want to put speed up before you put up power Because you want the powerhouse to come in and hit the home run When the bases are loaded You want your first couple of people to be able to get on base They need to be fast They need to be able to get onto the bases And they need to stay there They need to progress around so that the big heavy hitter Can finish off this inning It's the same thing in initiative here Having the guys go first to set up The battlefield conditions So your barbarian or your paladin can walk in And wreck house on their turn Is going to drastically Change the outcome of uh, Of how your Party is going to be as far as it being Effective and honestly as a dungeon master If everybody said look We have control of the situation We're not surprised we know this is going to happen We would all like to Drop our initiative to the bottom of the list and go in this order. And they've strategized that way. And they're a well-oiled machine. I would let them fuck the initiative rolls all together. Right. And, and I just think that we can, you, we can be strategic with initiative and ambushes and surprise. There's no surprise round. There's a surprise condition. We, we should be thinking about this. And the idea of the scout kind of inspires me to look a little bit deeper at what initiative might have to offer as far as strategy goes. I'm done talking about sports. You guys can come back now. Cool. (laughs) All right. So um, before we get into our unique builds, let's uh, cut to a quick shout out and see what whoever this person has to say about whatever they like. Hey, everybody. Adam here. And I just want to take this opportunity right now to say happy birthday to Charlie. Charlie's one of the most important people in my life. He plays in one of my campaigns. I've known him for well over a decade, and he turns 19 today. So, you can rest assured that he's getting kind of liquored tonight, and he's probably going to regret this. Hopefully, he won't even remember his 19th birthday by the time I'm done with him, but I wanted to say, I am so impressed with how such a young relatively new player to D&D can focus so much on role-playing and Encounter balance and fairness and he's not a murder hobo He wants to get into the guts of it and he's only happy if he's legitimately feeling emotion on behalf of his character He attacks it like an actor every single week and he is just He is someone that I would have at every one of my tables And I just I never talk about him But I'm proud as hell to have him at my tables and I just wanted to say happy birthday so, dude, here it is one more time. Happy birthday. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, so we've broken down the swashbuckler, the inquisitive, and the scout. Do you guys have a unique build that you want to... Well, I know you do, because that's... Welcome to the It's Mimic podcast. You guys have unique... <laughs> <laughs> unique... Um, Uh, character builds something that's a little bit more special than than what's written on the page. So let's grab our dice, we'll roll initiative, and we'll talk about exactly what we thought of that's a little outside the box, and bring something new and and maybe a little fancy to the table. Let's roll. I got an 18. I got a goddamn one. I used a different die. I'm cursed tonight.
2: Oh, man. I got a 19.
0: Oh, okay. Terry. (laughs)
1: What you got? You... Same order. <laughs> Same order. Why do we I... even bother? <laughs> for the fans, Adam. For the fans. Well, I was, it's for the people. I
2: was reading through the notes as I do before we did our uh, podcast. And I was getting ready, and I was I was thinking about you know the guilty pleasures. And uh, I kind of talked about, you know, perfecting your own work and, and that being what you're looking for. And then I started to think about the, the idea that I brought up before, Dan, I know, agrees with me, that the only reason we don't kill people is because it's illegal. And so it got me thinking.
0: No, Terry, it's because we're... Mo- Never mind. You just... Okay, you do you.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> because the purge hasn't been legalized yet. Um, what, about, what about a, a, a truly... Because we see rogues as like perfectionists, right? Particularly scouts I see here and like swashbucklers in, in their finesse and their, their perfection in how they attack. They're not just raging barbarians. So I kind of thought about the perfectionist rogue um, that's, that's looking for that truly beautiful, perfect kill. Whether it be whatever goal they set off, whether it be, you know, a, a thousand cuts before they die, or or whether it be that, that truly pristine shot from 300 yards away, or however they want to do it. But I, th- I thought about this character that, for whatever reason, is on your side, for whatever backstory you want to do, but he takes his pride in that, in that perfect kill. And the reason I like this is because I think I will roleplay the hell out of this character. And initially I thought maybe Swashbuckler because of some of the abilities that they have. And I don't want them to become Jack Sparrow. I don't want that. I want to do it a little bit differently but still justify the abilities. But now hearing Adam go through Scout, I think I might do it as Scout.
0: I, this is I a really long like silence. That.
2: Is everybody okay?
0: No, 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 no. no. I, I really like that. I'm, I'm thinking about, yeah, the, Very, the perfectionist. Well, it depends. Are they bragging about it or are they a professional? a professional oh, no, a
2: professional Look, i kind of see it as being kind of hannibal like very well dressed educated very well read just taking complete pleasure from the from the, the perfectionism and the finesse and how they do their craft except their craft is murder dan
0: their, I, their
1: craft is murdering um, dan there is like no end of movies from the 90s that all have this character no that 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 one guy that just is just the best murderer. Name
2: three. Leon the professional. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. I'm from hold Europe, on. and therefore the professional is called Leon. But whatever.
0: Yeah, no, it's called the prof- uh, it's called the professional over here, except in French <laughs> Canada where it's called Leon the professional, because of course it is. Um, and uh, hold on, no, I mean obviously the Mandalorian. I know that Dan... I can hear the keyboard going. Dan He's looking something up now. Thing. <laughs> yeah, Dan just typed in... I'm trying to, get the, to right be the get the right murderer. name. How to get the best murderer.
1: Vinnie Jones' character in Lockstock and Two Smoking no. Girls?
0: No. Is not... No, he wasn't about down. precision. Yes. He wasn't about precision. No. He was about he was, force trauma.
1: Oh, yes, he was. He was the best murderer in the movie. Watch the movie again. Nothing goes wrong for Vinnie Jones right. in No, that no, no. Movie. But that's not what... He th- does everything perfectly
0: yep he is the guy who comes in and does
1: everything the exact way it's supposed to be done dan
0: that's not what terry's saying he's talking about the like ironed perfect suit the beauty of it oh then then you have
1: jason statham's character in the and the the uh the transporter
2: i haven't seen that movie and I don't Surprise. know I imagine, fucking, it, I imagine it's another attempt. movie Surprise. where Jason Statham plays a British person talking like an American and it drives me crazy there's oh no he plays a British person no I'm I'm saying that's what he does but I mean he will speak he will say American style phrases there's never been a British person in the world has walked into a room and gone what is this place we don't say that. We say where are we? <laughs> like we don't say like <laughs> this is all Jackson State the movies. Just American phrases with a British accent and all the 67 million people in the UK go. There's never been a British person said that ever.
0: But all right. No, you know who you know who Terry's talking about? He's talking about the operative from Serenity. Yep. Right. Like there's there's some great pop culture inspiration to to go. Terry, if you if you would ever look at a video that was longer than a ten minute YouTube video, then you would you would know that, that this is actually a pretty solid one, but not something that exists obviously out there in in D and D. Like I think this is great. This is a huge archetype that nobody really touches on. We see it all the time in pop culture, and nobody thinks I want to be that guy in Dungeons and Dragons. And there very much yeah. is the ability to do that. That's an excellent answer. I'm surprised that that kind of shit has never occurred to, to me before. Like it's, that's Thank you, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, I like it I really when you like say that.
2: these these nice things to me and Dan.
0: Well, you cut off your hair, so you have less value to us now. So we're 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 trying to make you feel better. <laughs> yikes okay
1: so uh <laughs> terry got really quiet for, for my up. character <laughs> i've loved you the same no matter what terry don't worry about it adam's just an asshole <laughs> um so uh my character i honestly i was gonna phone it in and i was gonna do yeah just get that battle master uh inquisitive Rogue going it'll be fun it's lots of fun because i just got through a cha- uh, campaign with that but then i then i got to thinking and uh, the Inquisitive Rogue plays as a detective, but I wouldn't, I've, I've, I've now officially done that, but I still like the Inquisitive Rogue. So what I would like to do is have someone who is maybe Inquisitive, not because they're trying to solve a crime, but because everything is just new to them. So I would like to play an Elydrin Inquisitive Rogue who is here and he's taking the time during combat to kind of look at things and, and observe because this realm is weird and everyone moves so weird here. And what are these buttons that everyone is wearing? And like, this is the character.
2: This is uh this is like Harry Potter, the wizards playing the Muggles. Like your your character is gonna come out in a scuba diving suit with like a fascinator on or something. My
1: my character is literally Ron Weasley's father, yeah. who's just fascinated by the, the the simple people that don't have magic. Oh my god! Like, like so. The- so, but this is the Inquisitive Rogue. Like, he's there and he's like, oh, okay, you move far slower than everyone on my realm. <laughs> so, I know that your swing is going to go there. So, that's where my sneak attack comes from. But I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to try to deceive me on this? My brain's moving faster than you are. So, how about, no. I just finds right? so find
2: the Big Bad's outfit. Hilarious. And so the whole monologue you've yeah. seen is
1: just derailed. Cause this character. And and like this, in, instead of being like that drug addicted, uh, traumatized detective who's been on the force for years and seen some shit. No, this guy has seen nothing and wants to see it all. Like it. And is just observing as he goes through the campaign, that's truly inquisitive. I like
0: it. Ah, my god! I would punch this character in the fucking throat. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen you play characters that are very similar to this, including a minotaur cleric of death or whatever it was. Was he? A, he was a monk, wasn't he? Well, what was he? Uh, well, yeah, no, he was a death monk. He wasn't. He wasn't. He would um, he uh, he would just stop and see the unique and interesting ways of that people die because he's never seen that before and he really wants to do that and he's just super interested in this thing. I've seen you play the super interesting character a thousand times, Dan, and I just more than gnomes. That's the one I'm tired of. I just want <laughs> you to play someone that that already knows something. For fuck's sake,s <laughs> I did. Know what I know what Adam? I did that.
1: I. I rolled Rezu, who was just fucking battle-weary and, and didn't want anything to do with anything, and then he turned him into stone and stopped the campaign. Ah, he's
0: back. What are you bitching about? All right, so... Rezu's back? Yeah, we got to catch you up, Terry. <laughs> um, So, for mine, I was really thinking about the bounty hunter, and it was... I was going to go in that direction, and, and Terry kind of covered it already, but, like I said, you know, the Mandalorian is a scout. Right. right, the the idea that there's when, whenever you you put someone on someone else's trail and they're hunting you down and Boba Fett is a scout, he's not a ranger, he's a scout. You could make an art, you can make an argument about while well, they're wearing heavy armor, but now you're just splitting hairs and you need to stop that. Like for as as far as their skills and and what they can do, it, it says to me that these guys are. Um, they're out there and they are in the wilderness and they are bringing people back um, to justice or maybe just just evidence of them like hey i killed this guy here are both of his ears and his tongue right i'll 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 take my payment now i like that for the bounty hunter and then i went a step further i think the scout would be an excellent trophy hunter you know the bad guy, the dick in in every like '90s movie that was just like, oh, I go on safari and look at my massive elephant gun and and Jumanji. he was yeah, Jumanji is, is a good one. I, also, the guy from Up, the bad guy from Up, right? Like who's just like this this. <laughs> advent, I'm just we're just there's a lot of Disney in this episode. Never seen it. Um, you've never seen Disney? Okay, never mind, Terry. Never you seen you you you've only seen. You've never seen Up? Uh, you good. I mean, he hadn't seen Princess Bride. This is the one that you're upset about? Terry didn't know what to do. No, I'm more upset about was, Princess Bride. For fuck's sakes. So, anyway. Anyway. Look, I like the idea of this guy going out and just... All he wants to do is collect the heads of monstrosities and aberrations. He doesn't care so much about undead, but he's got a trophy wall. And so he goes out into the woods and he's, he'll be, Ha! Huh, come with me! There are tracks here. We can follow them to the east. Right? And I'd really like the idea of him being a little egotistical and then off he goes to do it. And now and since Terry stole Scout, I'm gonna steal Swashbuckler. <laughs> maybe he, maybe he's just the best duelist, and what he's collecting are kills from each race. Each one of the D D races. So when he sees a uh Dan's Aladrin, he goes, interesting. I've never fought one of you before. I will see you at dawn. You have been challenged, <laughs> and then he sits there and he and he brags about all the people that he's killed. But it's un- under under the rules of dueling, so it is legal, and and there's a right way to do this and a wrong way. And 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 uh, frankly, I will show you the correct way to go about this. Um, you start with your left foot forward. Is everyone paying attention? Right, and like I can I can see the swashbuckler being like that and and throwing a wink. To the, to the girl that's, like, hanging on every word and yeah. stuff. Like, I, I really like that character of just... He's, he's not all about the perfection of it. He's all about the bragging rights. And these are his guilty pleasures. He wants to tell the story of the kill. And if he's in the party and someone else gets the kill on the manticore, damn it. The next time we run into one of these, you will have to let me get the final blow, sir. Right? Like... <laughs> Uh, like, I and I I don't know I really like it especially for the uh with the panache, which gets them to come directly at you. You're you're mocking, you're goading them into to fighting yeah. di- you directly. And here we go. This is this will be a good fight. I love it. Uh, I've killed a I've killed a cultist from every religion. <laughs> right? Like I just I, I like this character. It's it's uh it's a little bit different, and it's not your edge lord rogue, which is nice. I don't yeah, think it's... any of ours have been edge lords. The perfectionist. No, you're to no move away from that.
2: Like I want to play a different. Just explore different ideas.
0: Yeah. Guys, any final thoughts before we wrap this up?
1: <sighs> uh, you know what? The last time we did a rogue episode, we really talked at length about how rogues could kind of do everything. Yeah. Um, these guys, like these these subclasses, I I feel, um. Give your rogue something to do rather than just be like we mentioned. We, like we, none of us really rolled a natural lord. That's because none of these really scream edge lord. They scream a very interesting, intriguing, unique character, and I, I, I love that. I, I think it's, I think it's really, really great. Um, I think Xanathar's knocked the rogue out of the park. Um, I had no interest in ever playing a rogue until I read Xanathar's. So, um. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of all of these uh, classes. And even the one we haven't mentioned, I, I, I had to give it a skim. I'm a fan of all of it. So yeah, um, I think
2: they make the, the Rogue more inclusive for the party as well. You're right. It's not just the edgelord anymore. Where it's like, oh, God, where's the depressing emo Rogue with the hood? Okay, come here. Pick this lock. Now go away again. Nobody wants to talk to you and you don't want to talk to anybody. And it makes this person, it almost feels like they're going to communicate and enjoy being part of the team. And enjoy what they can contribute uh, yeah it just feels more inclusive
0: yeah I'll agree and instead of it being the Rogue that the Rogue can do anything and we said that last last Rogue episode and they have the ability depending on the direction you head to, to really cover most of the bases here um, but they're feeling like they're specialists now which is really yeah. nice um, and uh, I've come to really appreciate that the other one The other class where you say, hey, I'm a cleric, that means, okay, great. Which cleric are you? Because they're also radically different and you can do anything with the cleric, right? But each one has its own specialty. I really like that about the rogues, Xanathars. I think you're right, Dan. Absolutely fucking nailed it. This was right and as powerful as they are, I feel like these subclasses, are not only balanced against the party as a general rule, they're also appropriately balanced against the base class, and they're also appropriately balanced for their level, which is a little rare. So I feel like they've spent a lot of time on rogues, and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it. All right, well, that's it for this week's episode on rogues. I mean, you guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast. Make sure to check us out next week when we're circling back to cover more wizards.
1: You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening and see you next week.
0: Okay, guys. So we've been talking about rogues and skills and abilities and all the things they're really good at, all of their stealthing and sleight of hands and everything else. We're not really surprised by the fact they can do anything like that because their dex is through the roof, right? So, yeah. I I see a lot of rogues that don't have very high, you know, in like uh, wisdom. You know, they, they tend to go charisma intelligence around there. Some of them like to be beefier with constitution. Strength is usually their dump stat. You don't see a lot of beefy rogues. You can see some, but the, it's not very frequent. So I'm curious, what's your freaking dump stat in real life? Of the six standard D&D stats, which one is, is the one that you are just, you're getting a negative modifier in? oh
1: yay a little time for a little self-depreciating humor uh, well well,
0: i wanted to to ask that we do it for each other but then i thought that was just going to be horrible (laughs) just just disagree yeah so everyone just dive on your own sword on this one Uh, anyway let's uh (laughs) let's roll dice
2: let's roll it okay 11 oh
0: shit i rolled a 20 i got 11 (laughs) i got a four dan tell us why do you suck and how? why do you suck dan Um, I, I, I will, uh,
1: forever assert that intelligence is my dumb stat. (laughs) I, I am not a very book smart person. Um, those who have listened to the podcast for any amount of times know, uh, just how true that is by the amount of times I just mess up a word and like put words that do not belong in a sentence in that sentence. But I have fairly decent charisma and my wisdom is good enough that I could fake it. So, <laughs> Fair one. so I, I honestly, I would say Dumpstat is, uh, it's inst- mostly because like, I don't know, man, I, I have a, I have a hard time sitting down to read a book these days. Like it, it's just not something that like, like makes it into my list of priorities. Um, and I get instantly tired. The second someone starts trying to debate some sort of deep, you know, concept or issue like i i yeah for me it's int
2: really i don't know if i i don't know if, if yours is int dan i don't know i, I feel think like, you've like just you're surrounded
0: yourself with like h- hyper intelligent people your whole life and so you feel like it's int but i i don't i don't think it is
2: i don't think int is your dump stat at all
1: adam was that just a subtle like <laughs> way to brag about yourselves like yeah no dan's surrounded himself his entire life with uh, smart people no <laughs> i've I, known him I, for 30 I, years i know this <laughs>
0: actually no i was thinking about your friday group there are a couple of intellectuals in that group that have a way of
1: let's yeah.
0: say talking down to people let's put that nicely there are a couple of uncompromising egos in that group um oh, which i, I which you. i i think might uh might make you feel well, if you spend enough time with with them, that uh, that you might have a lesser intelligence than you think. But honestly, Dan, yep. you have got such a you can talk about things that I, that I can't. Music um, is one of them. You're highly yeah. I did get
1: in a 45 minute discussion today about ranking my favorite guitar
0: artists. Yeah, exactly. You can talk about, of course, yeah. theology, right? And multiple editions of D and D. You are you are very intelligent with what you give a shit about. Which is kind of like how you put ranks into knowledge, like which which skill. I mean, I just I just said freaking three point five. You got
1: three point five on us here. Yeah, I did. putting ranks into skills, eh? Yeah, Ooh.
0: yeah. No, getting but, all tingly. No, no, no. Say it slower. <laughs> but the, you, but oh, you want me to get right, real dirty, it? Dan? You want me to get really dirty? Pathfinder. Oh,
1: oh yeah, oh, I thought you were gonna say Thacko and I was just gonna go crazy. <laughs>
2: Adam, Adam's right, Dan. I'm, you can have that, that argument about intelligence in different ways all day long. But, I mean, there's plenty of people that I know in my life are academically very intelligent in some degrees. But in a lot of ways, they're fucking stupid. They, they, for things that are obvious to me, they can't get a grasp on. And I think it's just because intelligence is in different ways. Dan, I don't think intelligent. I know this is just a game, but I don't think intelligence is your dump stat. I think you're, uh, I think you're playing yourself down there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Did this I, just I become
1: that. a like let's 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 pump Dan's ego
0: minute? I'm not complaining. This is no, 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 This is convention. good for me. No, no, no. <laughs> but, because we're gonna talk about your charisma now, Dan. It's just gonna get real. Oh no. <laughs> 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 all right, so moving on, who rolled next? <laughs> Daria, I rolled Daria. next.
2: Mine is uh, mine is dexterity, and I'll tell you why in a lot of different ways. I am I am not very flexible at all. I am only good like I am like athletics is high for me but dexterity is low like obviously like, i'm strength based but not dexterity based so even like in my sports career i used to play rugby i played on the wing i only had to pass in one direction i only had to pass it left and the rules of rugby means only left and behind me i ran in a straight line and my job was literally to run as fast as possible in one direction until i get tackled then i pass it to somebody else i'm only very good at simple tasks run quickly that way run for a long time that way lift that heavy thing up but, if I have to run that way, then left, then right, look behind me, try and catch a ball while somebody else is coming to tackle me, it's not going to work. Dexterity is, without doubt, my dumb stat.
0: You're now, like, you're I, like I, New I, I feel- Lander, because you, you can only turn left?
2: <laughs> I can only, can only pass left and behind me. I'm not good with fiddly things. I'm, I've got hands that are literally designed for only playing the trumpet and smacking bottoms down. That's what my hands are designed for. Now... Nothing on that one.
1: See, I, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say, like, as much as I want to say, nah, Terry, you're, you're plenty flexible. I, I've, I've seen you do some things. Um, I've, I've also seen you try to roll a dice into a box. Yeah.
2: Oh, there we go. Slide that is, it's that terrible. is
1: literally big enough to like, yeah, serve an entire table's worth of food in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you still somehow miss. Throw it across the room and it hits the fridge. Pay attention in to, the other room. Like I've seen you do this multiple times. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to how I turn
2: the pages on books, which is slap my hand on top of it and then slide it to the left. <laughs> because I can't get a grip of the corner of the page. Like I'm that guy. Like I'm the I'm the comic book collector's worst nightmare. Oh uh, yeah, is without doubt my dumb Alright,
0: well I gotta say that mine is probably not as surprise to anyone. Constitution is not good. My constitution? No, really, my constitution is my freaking dumb stat. I can't fucking run to save my life. I was a smoker for over a decade. Not only can I not like run, I can't hold my breath. I get sick like six times a freaking. If I have strep throat again, I will freaking die. Right? Like it. It is not good. I. It is. is.
1: Oh, that's not a joke either. Like you will get hospitalized the next time you get strep. Yeah, that's what we had a like. Yeah, we had a bug of strep run through the house. At the end of last year I just and um, there, there, it was it was it was it was training for covid for adam he's social distanced before social din- distancing was a thing he's like until your crotch goblins are good <laughs> i ain't going anywhere
0: near your house so, like like seriously that was the thing there was an episode that i missed the first episode that i was not on was the sorcerer episode and i sat there with anxiety in my house on the wednesday night going I should be there I should be recording this but I can't because there's sickness there the strep oh my god I would die like it was not good so I also I guess OCD is a stat is that one of the skills no that's 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 your cranked intelligence
2: yeah that's cranked intelligence for sure <laughs>
0: Ugh. so yeah no Constitution is not uh, is, is not something that I am uh, like I'm plenty strong enough I put my weight into it you're you're gonna get moved you are. <laughs> And I grew up playing sports. I can. I've got a great sense of balance. I'm a big guy, but I'm surprisingly like lithe, and I, I can move. And I'm fast in short bursts, but very short bursts, because that's, that's constitution right there. I'm not. I'm not having any of this nonsense. I'm the guy that looks at a tall hill and then says, "Fuck it, I'm calling a cab. I'll see you guys at the top." <laughs>
2: If, if the enemy's holding the higher ground, it's no problem for Adam. He's not going up there anyway.
0: He's just going to wait it out. Pretty much. I don't have enough hit points to really get into a fight, which is why I use my words instead. Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done. Get it. <laughs>